Hey guys, Jimmy Pardo here to talk to you about PXG. Now listen, I wore this shirt uh, at a, a golf outing recently, and it, the, the way I described it is that uh, I felt like I wasn't wearing a shirt. That's how comfortable this thing was. PXG makes great golf clubs. We all know that, but what they also do is make great apparel. Uh, it's made with premium materials, technology designed for peak performance. Didn't help my performance, but I looked good. That's the important thing. You want to look good better than than the way you golf. Is that a thing? PXG has something for everybody. Pants, polos, sweaters, hats, quarter zips, joggers, jackets, dresses, skirts, everything you could want. I loved it. Uh, I've got a second shirt that I can't wait to wear when I go golfing a second time. If my body allows me to. But, you know, I tell you what, with these shirts, I might as well just walk around the clubhouse and let people take a look at me and go, look at that stylish-looking guy, but his golf game is on point. Literally, they know. No, it's not. Hey, elevate your style game on and off the course with PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash pardo. Use code pardo at checkout and save 10% on all apparel. That is pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo to save 10% on apparel. pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo. PXG, grip it and wear it. You guys know I love Gooder sunglasses. I've been wearing them for years. Uh, I've, I've been collecting them basically at this point because, you know, they got all these different styles and they're so affordable. They're 25 bucks a pair. They're, there's no slip, no bounce. They're all polarized. They're, they're fun. You, you know, you have one pair for the beach. You have one pair for riding your bike. You have one pair to maybe go out to a, you know, a, a club. I don't know, a day club. Do you go to day clubs? That doesn't sound like a right thing to do. Uh, hey, they got a new frame, though. This is what I'm here to talk about. The Pop G. Pop art for your face. It's it's fashion. It's fashion on your face, guys. No slip, no bounce, just like all the other types of pairs. But uh, these are cool. Like I want to, I want to get a pair myself. Like I, I have too many already, but I, I feel like I need to get these also. Vanguard Visionary, New Wave Renegade, Born to Be Envied, Pop Art Prodigy, the mod one out. It sounds like the Pop G is a whole group of styles, so you can get all these different frames within the Pop G family. So that's pretty cool. Check those out, guys. Uh, and you know, if you need sunglasses, this is the way to go. You don't have to worry about losing them. They're, they're twenty five bucks, and uh, you know, you, you just grab another pair if you need them. But uh, like I said, I've been collecting them because uh, I can't get enough of these Gooder sunglasses. If you want to support our show and try a pair, Gooder is giving Never Not Funny listeners free shipping. You can go to Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Again, that's Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Did you know learning actually makes a sound? It's true. Listen, that's the sound of you learning a new language with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I love Babbel. I, I feel like I'm a guy, I like playing games, I'm a game guy, so I like that you can play little language games, and it, it, it's, it makes learning fun, and that's what I need, because I'm a monkey. So uh, studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash pardo. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash pardo, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash P-A-R-D-O. Rules and restrictions apply. Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? 
Who is Jimmy Pardo? Guess again. Here he is. And I do the horns. You're the one yelling, Jimmy. Yeehaw! Let's have some maple syrup. Oh, man. See? I know what I'm doing, and I know how to catch it. tape it's the fastest hour in podcasting this is never not funny now here's your host jimmy pardo hey everybody indeed welcome to the program episode 28 14 i want to say did i 13 12 12 13 13 the baker's dozen there we go looking at the baker's dozen 28 baker d 28 bd baker's dozen 13th episode of the 28th season. There we go. Uh, uh, settled on it. And uh, listen, I know what's going on over here. This is a, 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 it's a gloomy day here in Los Angeles. We've got a gloomy day going on that uh, uh, just bums me out. I, 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 I don't mind a cool day. I don't mean, a, I don't mind a cool breeze. I don't mind a, um, uh, but when it's gloomy, that's what bums me out. When there's no sun and it's just gray. I would say enjoy it while you can, because for the next, Starting any day now for the next seven months, it will be too hot and too sunny all the time. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, it's too hot. It's too, too hot, baby. Yes, it's too hot. I also wanted to quickly mention that Baker's D is what I call crullers. Um, and do they know what you're ordering when you say that to the uh, to the? Uh, they do not. Person behind the counter. No. Give me a uh, give me a Baker's D, and then they just stare at you like you're the biggest a hole on the planet. I got to imagine. Yeah. Or is that, I mean, that's a weird looking cock if someone's, if someone has a two, two things intertwined in a long loaf, but uh, that's what I call it. I did not know that this was going uh, genitals. I did not know that. I know that was Baker's D. I thought we were legitimately talking about pastries. I thought we were talking about going to Duncan. Oh, I see. You're going with the D. I see. All right. Very good. I got you. Uh, Very good. Uh, my apologies for not understanding your hip street lingo. I, uh, I am an older man. An older gentleman has nothing but respect for, uh, for all bakers. Uh, certainly Anita Baker. Um, she's, and I'll say this about her. She's got the sweetest love of all. Let's agree on that. Yeah. The sweet love. Sweet love. All right. Listen, uh, speaking of Anita Baker, I'm sure she's a mother. I hope everybody had a nice mother's day. Uh, over the weekend, um, probably on Sunday, probably specifically on Sunday, or maybe maybe somebody makes a Mother's Day weekend out of it. Maybe you make a big deal out of it. Let's see mom on Saturday. Let's go shopping on Saturday. Then on Sunday, you have some brunch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing for your Mother's Day weekend. It's not my business. We're in a pandemic, though. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. That's true. I know one thing I did was I, I read a text from Garen Cockrell on Mother's Day, and it read uh, as follows. Uh yo please pass on my happy mother's day wishes to elise four o's in that yo and i oh. and i did pass that on and uh she said yo thanks was her response to me hang on a second there must be something wrong with my phone then so i guess danielle could just go screw herself huh garen is that how it works? uh danielle got a text directly oh i see oh, very good so okay. i don't have elise's information that's right to not, you're not text. gonna get it you, you stay away from matt's wife <laughs> You know my wife because you are somewhat, 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 somewhat in the comedy business, as is my wife. So it would make sense that you would have my wife's contact information. Matt is your boss. There's no reason for you to have his wife's 
personal information. <laughs> right. Which is why I went through him as the intermediary. Mm-hmm. All right. I understand that. Okay. Very good then. Uh, well, my wife didn't bring it up. That's how much of an impact your text had on her. <laughs> she didn't even mention that she got a text from Garen Cockrell. I'm always, uh, I'm always wondering if I should say, by the way, it's Garen. <laughs> and at the end of the text or not. And that's to anybody I text, not just Danielle. That's to literally anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say this, Garen, to that, to that. If it's somebody that I don't text on a regular basis, I will say, uh, hey, Tony, it's Jimmy Pardo, blah, 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 blah. Like just just on the off chance, I'm not in their phone. Mm-hmm. And then they always come back with, yes, of course, I've, I have caller ID, idiot. You don't have to announce yourself. And it's like, I'm doing it to save face for both of us. So, Garen, did you send out another text yesterday that said, happy Mother's Day, mom. By the way, this is Garen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish I had. No, I didn't. Did, There's did a guy you, in my. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Garen. Uh, there's a guy in my Twitch stream that comes in and hangs out, and he calls my mom, mom, because she she streams with us a lot. Like she'll come on and play with us. You should know this from uh, that happened. I was once in, in grade school, and somebody said to my friend Chris, O'Don- uh, Chris O'Donnell's mom, uh, not the actor, um, <laughs> "Hey, mom," and it wasn't even my mom, and I got mad on his <laughs> behalf. I cannot stand when somebody calls somebody else's mother mom in such that familiar way mm. it, it you might that that's mrs o'donnell to you back in the old mm. days now of course you call people by their first name because god forbid we have buddy god damn but what if it's what if it's someone who's like a, a mother to the whole group of friends kind of like uh, in that wonderful snl sketch that i just saw <laughs> over the weekend oh that was uh the uh the, the gen z one is that what that was gen z the, hospital yeah oh, um, no, I still don't like it. I don't, I don't. And also, when there is a group of people that call one mother mom, usually that's the mom that maybe is a little more lenient, lets everybody get yeah, away. Yeah, with, yeah. Oh, they're going to go down to the basement and drink. They're going to do yeah. their thing. And they, oh, that's my, hey, mom, we love mom. Don't we love mom? And then so it always has that in my head, too, mm-hmm. like uh, growing up. That was always that. And so, again, I'm out. I'm out on all this. Tell that guy to quit following you on Twitch. That's what I say to that. <laughs> that's a long way for me to say. Get off Twitch and uh, get a job. That's my long way of saying that. As your father figure. What if Garen was like, it's actually my brother, so. Uh. Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> well, got it. It certainly makes sense. Kyle, stop calling mom, mom. <laughs> why, why, why is Kyle on the floor? I, my phone's right here. Oh, I here, look at it. Okay. <laughs> why, why, what's the, is he down there Cinderella style cleaning the floor while you do the show? <laughs> <laughs> I got a show to do, Kyle. I didn't know your brother. Did I know your brother's name was Kyle? Is that something I knew? I don't know. I don't. He doesn't usually come up on the show or anything. So, but maybe not. Probably not. Kyle. Did you know that Matt Bell? Did you know his, uh, I mean, his brother's name was Kyle? Once he said it, it sounded kind of familiar, but I never would have been able to pull it if you'd asked me. I don't. First of all, I don't believe that first part of that sentence at all. I don't think it's it familiar it, at it, all. You didn't even think it sounded familiar? I, no. I, I mean, <laughs> in, in that I've heard of people named Kyle before is what I mean. <laughs> I know that to be a name of people. Well, we know a friend of the show, Kyle Anderson, uh, Kyle yeah. Ryan, friend of the show, Kyle yeah. Dodson, who uh, uh, helps out, uh, helped out at Parcastathon many a year, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, not this Kyle Cockrell. I just took a bike ride with Kyle Ryan on uh, Saturday. Oh, good for you guys. Uh, nice. Socially distant, I got to imagine, or did you guys get on a tandem bicycle? <laughs> yeah, I was actually on his, I, I was piggybacking, he did all the work. What if you did? What if you? What if you went? Yeah, I went on a bike road, cut around. Here's a photograph, and it's you, uh, three company style on the beach on a tandem bike. Yeah, just go. Yeah, oh, it's about time. I'm so glad we were able to get out here. I wonder what that would be like, though. A couple of cyclists like yourself getting on a tandem bicycle. Yeah, would that be uh, more fun or less fun? I think it would be horrible, but uh, I do know that I haven't watched it. Uh, I don't know even if there is video of it, but. 
there's a there's a youtuber that i watch who who documents his bike rides all over the world and um he referred to another guy who does this similar thing this other guy well first of all the guy i watched did one ride where he took a uh i don't know if it was single speed or it might have been a three-speed cruiser and he rode from san diego to washington dc on a cruiser which just seems like the stupidest idea of all time but then he he talked about this other guy he knows who rode a tandem bike across the country and would anytime he saw someone who needed a ride he would like hop on and then like Pick he would up. he would like ride with strangers for however long they needed to and then he would hop on and then he would go solo for whatever stretch which i think is a it's a cool idea but also sounds just brutal to first of all to ride a bike that heavy by yourself and then it's mm. got to be packed down with all of your gear so that you can camp and do all the things you need to do to get across the country is insane uh to pick up strangers on a bicycle is kind of insane uh, just, but, but I, I i gotta imagine that once you had somebody back there uh it was helpful because that person oh, could yeah. pedal it's, help unless they're that asshole that just lets their feet dangle <laughs> yeah it's an interesting psychological thing like it would be interesting for someone who is sort of introverted to be like i'm going to force myself to interact with strangers by riding a tandem bicycle alone all over the place because then your tiredness would basically force you to engage with people to get their help to ride with you right do and it that and- is the academy award-winning film nomadland <laughs> <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I, it, with a van instead of a bike totally yeah um i uh i liked but i don't i mean to keep bringing it back to what some are calling the worst episode of snl ever but i actually liked kate mckinnon's impression of uh, francis mcdormand i thought it was really funny it was fine but apparently uh, chloe uh, Feynman does a better one is what uh, people are saying uh, no, I'm so not surprised. I, she's very good at impressions. She's very good at impressions. I, by the way, I did not think it was the worst episode of SNL ever. I did not. Uh, I actually found uh, uh, I found a lot of it good. I yeah. I, I actually thought I thought he was fine. I wasn't mad at that guy at all, Elon Musk. I thought he was, you know, uh, 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 as awkward as he always is and everything. And but he committed 100 percent to the characters. He tried yeah. more so than some, you know, classically trained actors when they go on there. I will say this: he he was. The, the the bar to me is Nancy Kerrigan. Anybody who wants to talk about who the, who is the worst host of all time. I haven't seen every episode of SNL, but I saw the episode that Nancy Kerrigan hosted and he wasn't even close to as bad as that. That was truly a person locked into cards, not doing anything but poorly reading off of a cue card the entire episode and not cut out for it. And look, it's not her fault. She's an athlete. She's not an athlete. Like, it, every time it's like Michael Jordan was horrible too. And, and in all these cases, it's like, I understand why they're booking them. It, it doesn't, I don't like it, but I understand it. And in this case, my only real issue was that it kind of felt like, I felt like he was getting pity laughs. Like, I feel like people were, like oh look at he look at how great look at he's doing it he's really doing it i'm like he doesn't need your sympathy he's a you, fucking billionaire take that take that out of the equation you at home were you giving him pity laughs because I, I don't care what the audience no. is doing i you know at home i either yeah. laughed or i didn't right laugh. yeah but did you laugh at anything he specifically did i did laugh a couple of things with the monologue i thought uh, a couple of things in the monologue I were decent. Yeah. um you know at the end of the day though he says ridiculous things mm-hmm. uh maybe dangerous things and it's weird to put a guy like that in a spotlight so mm-hmm. it's bizarre uh that aspect um but again i didn't you know i don't i don't i certainly don't think he's the worst host i've ever seen and i've never seen the uh the nancy kerrigan one that uh 
is the talk of the internet today. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, if, I can't if, think of a worse one. Like, I, if anyone wants to throw another name out there, like maybe I know that um, there's been a couple of politicians, like Paul Simon, not the singer, but the senator hosted once, I think. And or I don't know if he hosted or if he just like did one thing. I can't remember. But there's people like that that probably are nominees. Uh, Elliot. Oh, I was just going to say that the the one thing that I thought was pretty good was he he made fun of himself pretty much throughout, and he was mm-hmm. a good sport about it. Yeah. Uh, so even though arguably he could either be the savior or the destroyer of all humanity, I think <laughs> I think his ability to to at least laugh at himself was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It uh, um, and his mom did a great job reading the cards. So, uh, <laughs> good to see Mrs. Musk out there. That and- whole cold open was to me just insane. <laughs> I always, I always like when they do that sort of thing. You get to see the moms, you get to see that. But it's like, uh, did did you guys not rehearse that at all? You have to yeah. mom saying I, she loves you at all. Like, I, why is that on a card? I also felt like they made a very odd decision in almost every one of those bits. It was if you didn't see it, it was the cast members with their mothers mm-hmm. in the midst of Miley Cyrus singing a song. Uh, which also is strange to me to open with that. But it, that to me, that reeked of, we know this isn't like a good idea to have this guy host. So we're going to shove the musical guest right at the top, make her put her in as much as we can realistically to try to get everyone on board with, Hey, it's okay. It's okay that Elon Musk is hosting. But anyway, um, yeah. So the, the, the thing I couldn't understand is why were they making the moms try to deliver the punchlines most of the time when mm-hmm. like let the professional comedian do, do let the mom do the setup and let the professional comedian try to land but the punchline. Isn't the, the premise, I think, is that the mom is is doing a little dig at their at their child yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, they then have to deliver the punchline. Right. They have to. But did it Some work? Them- did it did any of them work? Maybe one of them worked. I don't know. Yeah, maybe one. And I can't even tell you which one that was. I think like Chris Red's worked okay because that one flipped where he actually got to sort of do the punchline. I can't remember what the joke was. Anymore. But she said him nicely. That mother did a nice yeah, job. And, yeah. and again, these are just moms of They're talented not actors. people. Yeah. They're not, Yeah. you know, these are just moms with uh, <laughs> lots of jewelry. There's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. fine that they uh, don't know how to do that. But uh, I, I, I get it. I, I, I like it. I don't have a problem with it. I think the song is great. It's a great Dolly Parton classic. I like this positive uh, Jimmy positive energy Pardo coming in today. It's great. I wasn't I, ready uh, for it. I have no. I, I always. I always like. like I, the one thing that I did think though is like I don't think they've ever done this for Father's Day. You never see them <laughs> prance their yeah. uh, their fathers out there to say I love you, Dad, just because just to watch the awkward dad like ah, I still hope you have a plan B. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> just curmudgeons in the audience like. Is that, be- is that because the show, the season usually ends before Father's Day? Is that- I think it's probably Maybe. that. Yeah, that know. it usually ends before that. But it would it would be interesting. I would love to see, because yeah. they always bring out the moms. You never yeah. see the dads. Right. And, and by the way, in most of show business, very rarely do <laughs> mm-hmm. you see the dad, you know, other than Tiger Woods, who wouldn't shut up about his, mainly because his father wouldn't let him. Uh, you never hear <laughs> yeah. about people's fathers. It's always yeah. my mom, this, my mom, my mom. I want to thank my mom. My mom is at the Academy Awards. My mom is here. Mm-hmm. My dad, of course, is at a bar right now going, yeah, my weirdo son wants to get into the acting. Well, he just won an award, Don. Yeah, another round then. <laughs> That's what the father is. Not in this house, of course. I am 100% supportive of my son, as was my father. <laughs> is that what the movie The Father was about? I don't think it was. No, oh, okay. I do not. I think it, it was. I did not see that movie. 
I actually did watch it, so I'm just pretending for the joke. I see. Uh, well, good acting. It didn't even look like you were looking at cards. And you, as a father, uh, could go on SNL now when Zoe is a cast member. I, I Now I have a, a, dream, a goal. I was like, if I just become the second richest man in the world, I can be on SNL. Uh, uh, doesn't who's seem... the first? Is it Bezos? Is that the first richest man in the world? I think so. Who, who's... I, I mean, I feel like it, it, it fluctuates. There was that guy in China um, who I think got, I think he's disappeared at this point. There's something terrible happened to that guy. Something... You think it's Musk related? <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's Chinese government related. Sadly, um, there was a guy, there was a Shah maybe who was up in the top spot at some point, um, and or something. Yeah, but yeah, I know currently. I, okay, Jeff ahead. Bezos is number one. It is Bezos. Even after the yeah. divorce, he's number one. This is as of April sixth, so that divorce is last year, right? I think that I don't know if the assets have been divided yet but yeah it was yeah. last year i'm gonna say he still is even after the uh that's insane the split that's that's i'm gonna say it wrong <laughs> if you're so if you're twice as rich more than twice as rich as the second richest guy and the second richest guy is way too rich and the the top 10 is all way too rich then that's a fucking problem and uh elliot you you have dogecoin right you have uh i don't actually have dogecoin. Oh, no. i have other coins but i've never gotten doge well it dro- apparently dogecoin. it's it dropped horribly after that episode. Did you hear that? No, but that's a good time to buy them. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, so you recommend I get Dij or Doge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it did drop. It's at 48 cents right now. Wow. What was yeah. it before? Well, yeah, what was it before? It, I've seen it as high as 69 cents. Up top, huh? Yeah. So... It, the thing is, everybody... He you, high-fived himself. He did. I did. Well, virtual. Well, he had to. <laughs> no, he did the thing with me. Well, well, nobody... Uh, yeah, not one person tried to help him. We nobody... Weren't, we weren't going to yeah. help him. He knew it. Yeah. He knew that it is not how the... I mean, the high-five can work that way, but If you normally, can't support yourself, who can Karen, you support? Karen, what you have to do is learn how to make it look like the hand is coming from out of the screen. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just going to go know. buy a fake rubber hand and just hold it up. I don't know. No, I mean, Matt, you're going to nobody. On my screen, you just went to the No, no, I, I was oh. saying if you're going to self-five, make it look like, make one arm look like it's coming. Oh, I see. And then. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, so this one comes in and then. Oh, and then. Yeah, it's very hard oh, to arms do. Are two. Three grown men trying to high-five <laughs> okay. themselves. Professional stand-up comedian Jimmy Pardo and his friends with their show. All right. <laughs> well, Change the stuff. name. Change the name. It's no longer Never Not Funny. Um, I did like that uh, Never Not Shopped. It's uh, Oliver's dad and his friends talk about Cobra Kai for 30 minutes. That's the, that's the best way to just sum this thing up, man. Just to, you, you, what, what, Hey, what's that Never Not Funny about? I hear a lot of people enjoy that program. Here's what it is. It's Oliver's dad and his friends talking about Cobra Kai for 30 minutes. If you like that, you're going to love the show. You know what? I do kind of like that. Well, then you're in. So, and we welcome you. And we welcome in all listeners, uh, big, small, old, and young. Everybody's welcome. Uh, Certainly that. We had a uh, uh, nice uh, Mother's Day here at the house yesterday. We uh, had the in-laws over. Walter and Judy came over. We had a couple of tables set up in the backyard. Uh, you know, I'm a little claustrophobic, as you guys know. I'm a little, I don't like uh, people close to me that much. I, I don't know if, it, I, I imagine a lot of people have that bubble around them. And so that's the, that's the great thing about COVID mm-hmm. is that instead of five people around one table, you can set up two tables and blame it on the vid. Mm-hmm. And that is, hey, so you two will be over there and then we'll be over here. And then you have plenty of leg room. You got plenty of arm room, plenty of leg room. You got nobody, you know, the the, uh, the placemats are not on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, in that regard. Thank God this COVID thing happened. 
Now, when you set up two tables, that means that you sit at the head of one table, then there's an entire table length, and then everyone else sits at the other table, right? I have uh, the one table for myself. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then the other four people sat at the other table. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. uh, right. And, and by the way, they still have plenty of room. It's that fifth, it's that fifth person that's added to one table yeah. that mucks everything up. Yeah. If I you agree. have four at the table, and I imagine they had nice conversation and everything. I, of course, had my headphones on. I was listening to the ball game. But happy Mother's Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it was very nice. We got a uh, what they call a box brunch from a restaurant called Truxton's over in Westchester. Uh, that was a uh, uh, French toast. Scrambled eggs, which I did not have, of course. Uh, fruit, potato, and uh, bacon and turkey bacon. Nice. And uh, my son and I, who have, neither of us have had bacon in years. I'm going to say years. Uh, because nobody else eats bacon here. Uh, the, uh, they, they, do not, uh, they don't eat bacon. My wife doesn't. Uh, so Oliver and I had uh, enough to that made us nauseated. Okay. And we, uh, oh, no. the later on in the night, just were sitting there going, oh, yeah, too much bacon. Like it was stupid yeah. comical yeah how much we ate but it was the food was delicious conversation was wonderful mm-hmm. and uh had a nice mother's day out in the backyard great as a reminder my mom's dead <laughs> jesus christ yeah so uh yeah hope those snl people liked it bringing their mothers out rubbing it right <laughs> in my face that, that really was rude of them and by, and by the way, here's what I'll say about that, Matt. I, and I know you're, you were saying earlier it's positive energy to be part of with that segment. Uh, I do think that plays into it. I think the fact that my mom passed away a few years, you know, a couple of years back, mm-hmm. and then to see, you know, the, the, them bonding with their mothers and remembering that my mom did su- always supported me going into show business, and uh, and then seeing those mothers say, "You're great," and you know, it, you know, it brought some of that back. So yeah, I get you. Uh, you know, as, as clunky as it was, and them reading the cue cards or whatever, you know. I, I great i'm glad they were able to have that experience mm-hmm. so uh i i will say again because apparently i'm the guy who, i'm gonna bring all the negativity this time <laughs> that's my job today uh the uh dolly parton ass kissing has reached epidemic levels to the point that uh <laughs> miley cyrus at the end felt the need to say her own mother was standing right there she said happy mother's day to my mom and my godmother who's dolly parton yeah, okay. I I knew that. Maybe not everybody knew that. This is no one's ever wished happy Mother's Day to their godmother. It's not Godmother's Day. That's a totally different thing. There are in my lifetime, Matt Belknap, there have been in my opinion three instances of the, of that sort of thing going crazy over the top. One is the Dolly Parton thing where everybody's all in on Dolly Parton. Everybody has to talk about how much they love Dolly Parton nonstop, even though they've heard one song and they don't even know that she wrote the Whitney Houston hit. But they all talk about how they love uh, Nine to five. <laughs> um, the other one was Betty White being on SNL. Yep. It was it, that went way too crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like Betty, Betty White doesn't need to be pitied or <laughs> you know treated like she's oh, she never got a chance. Maybe she never wanted the chance. Leave her alone. She's ninety something years old. She had a great career. She was wonderful. Why why did why does this gaggle of people have to get on the internet and and, and get a petition going? And the most recent one is LeVar Burton for Jeopardy. It's like, everybody's rallying behind that guy. Is It's like, and, and the ratings, by the way, are dwindling on Jeopardy yeah. as we get farther and farther into these celebrity or, uh, you know, these guest hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and But the chatter is, once LeVar gets in there, the ratings go back up. You you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know. He might not be good. You don't know anything about LeVar Burton hosting that show because you haven't seen him do it. But they're like, well, listen, it's already decided. LeVar Burton's going to be the uh, permanent... He hasn't done one question yet, yeah. but it is the same thing 
in uh, not only just the game show world, but all over the internet and people just rallying behind LeVar Burton. And by the way, great. I hope it's him and I hope he does a great job. Whatever. I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, but I do think it's weird. Um, yeah. It, sometimes these things snowball to an extent that never used to happen before, before the internet things never you never saw you know people picketing outside of fox saying you know uh replace uh <laughs> replace peg bundy on <laughs> married with children <laughs> right like or, or whatever the thing would be or like we need more of this thing like people just were like well, that's what's on television i'm either gonna watch it or not watch it uh it's not my fucking decision who hosts like i don't, I don't or, know what or that. you would hear about there was a write-in campaign yeah. to save blah 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 yeah and then it was like, okay, well, that person took the time to sit down, write a letter, right. mail it in. People opened it and said, hey, boss, look at the mail room. There's uh, 80,000 pieces of mail, and they're all saying this show should stay on the air. Well, maybe we should do something. The people have spoken. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how many times that happened before 1998 or something, you know, whenever, like, the Internet was really a, a place where people could organize. Because I do remember they – what were they doing – they did that maybe with Buffy or, and like there's been a couple of shows even before like Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. Yeah. Yeah. What was the thing that they were like sent peaches or some weird thing? I forget what the I never it was even, Mars bars, I think, or something or M&M's or marshmallows. One of those one of those yes. things. Yes. Yeah. And I think at the time I didn't understand why that was the thing. And maybe now I'm realizing it's just because it starts with the word Mars. <laughs> that's all. It, <laughs> that's all it was. Marshmallows. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, it's, I get in some, t I'm, I'm grateful. I actually, I'm glad that they made more of Veronica Mars. I love that show. And, and I really enjoyed the most recent season that wouldn't have happened without those people. So it's good on some, uh, fronts, but on other fronts, it just feels like Dolly Parton's fine. Just, just leave, leave her alone. She even had to, and what she had to come out and say, please don't give me a statue. Like the, that's insane that the people are, right. we're going to make a statue of her. And she's like, I think that's over. Even Dolly Parton knows it's overkill. I, uh, by all accounts, whenever she would go on late night with Conan O'Brien, the people would say that she was wonderful and, and yeah. very kind and, and, and down to earth and so on and so forth. So yes, Garen, the first TV program saved by fans. All right, hang on. Should we try to guess this? Is there? Give uh, us a yeah. clue. Give it. Give us the decade first. Yeah, uh, that might give it away. It lasted two. It lasted two seasons. A letter writing campaign brought it back for a third. This was the first a one third. that ever happened. The first one. It's a color show. It's in color. Okay, that narrows okay. it down. But it's an early. It's like an earlier show, mm -hmm. and right. it's. I'm gonna stick with my guess. What was your uh, guess? My guess is Star Trek. Oh. Are you saying it is Star Trek or are you just... I'm saying that's a good guess. <laughs> nodding to his guess. I'm got it, got it. Yeah. Nodding yeah, I'm, I, based on... I had no guess going into this until Garen's weird reaction to Elliot. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so I'm going to say Star Trek as well. I, I, I wasn't even looking or listening to anybody, but on my own independently, I've, I've come up with an answer and my answer is Star Trek. <laughs> okay. That's three Star Treks. Garen, are we all right or wrong? Uh, you are all correct. Hey, Star Trek, oh the God. original series. I got it. Wow. Wow. Awesome. If I would have just sat here stone face, just mm. 
Yeah, but instead you went. Yeah, yeah, no. That's a very good guess. All good gal guesses are good. Uh, there are a lot of different you, shows out there. You literally said yes when you said that. He was like Star Trek. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a good Wow. Okay. Actor. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, well, I wish I would have known that yesterday. I would have brought it up at. Uh, at brunch and asked Walter about it. It's a fun fact. Uh, Walter did some uh, some online convention yesterday. Uh, oh. oh, cool. To uh, some Star Trek uh, convention was being held uh, uh, virtually. Did they uh, beam him up? <laughs> That's about the show. They did that. Now we I bet it. you somebody made that joke, but not ironically like you just did. There has to be. Of course. There has to be. Uh, it's like when you go to any Chicago concert, uh, apropos, is when somebody says, hey, you know what time it is? Does anybody really care? And they think they're the first one to ever say it. <laughs> and that is, and the beam them up has to be right up there with it. Yeah. Um, and that, and by the way, my son's voice, uh, I now, um, what I just said made me think of it. Uh, Oliver's voice yesterday was, yes, uh, uh yeah, yes, I'll take more bacon, Dad. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and I, oh, do you, do you want more bacon, son? Okay, listen, I'll go over there. Yes, Father, more bacon, please. I'll go get it for you, son. <laughs> it, it was at one point deeper than mine, which is insane. That's, you think that it was the, it was the red meat that brought it out? It was like, he's like, think, oh, must have meat. Oh, it, uh, uh, I don't think, I don't think either of us will have bacon again for a long, long time. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. You overdid it. Uh, you know, here's the thing. It always kind of upset my stomach, even if I had a, a you know, a, a slice or two mm-hmm. uh, along with my French toast or pancakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I, I have made the switch to turkey bacon generally when we go. But this package was that you got you know, bacon yeah. and then we got a side of turkey bacon to shut the in-laws up. And uh, oh, they don't eat bacon either. They do not know. Wow. Mm. Okay. They, they don't eat very much meat uh, at all either. Hmm. So Danielle doesn't eat meat at all. And they don't. Uh, I, I, I want to say that they're probably 90% all, uh, in on not eating meat. That's great. It's just uh, Oliver and I that, uh, and Oliver's even closer than me. I'm the, uh, I'm the one yeah. true so, holdout over here. So I don't, I don't want to get too much into your business, but what is the, what is the typical protein then that is, uh, is in a meal in the Pardo household? Uh, well, it's usually fish related for the, uh, ah, for the other two, they usually go fish related. Beans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Magical fruit, guys. The more you eat. Hey, uh, to switch from that, because in t- in t- so we don't do that joke. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you before we started, Jimmy, um, we have mail. Oh, oh, terrific. And this is mail that we were told weeks ago was coming, and now it's finally here. So I feel like All we should All right. Ha- well, let's open up that mail then. Here we go. The mail is here. The mail is here. The mail is here. 69. Up top, my brother. The mail is here. Garen sucks. All right. So <laughs> I think it's very fair. And I think if I, if I stopped saying it, Garen, Garen would go, I wonder why he doesn't say that anymore. He would, he would somehow see it as a slight, mm. even though I'm not really saying the most positive thing. <laughs> it, would, it, it is a warning sign. If you stop, it's like, oh, what's going on? Jimmy's. Oh, what's up? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's going on? Jimmy's mad at me. He didn't say I sucked. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, abuse. Abusive, abusive host. Abusive father figure. So. I'll be your abusive father figure. Put your tiny hand in the drawer so I can slam it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay, well, I know I know ahead of time, just from the outside of this, this is from our friend Josh Tabak. 
Josh Tavak, of course, did uh, one of the, uh, the the year. Michael Muldoon could not do the podcastathon mm-hmm. uh, caricatures. Josh was kind enough to jump in at the last minute and do those. We thank Josh mm-hmm. to this day. And uh, he has now sent us a, some sort of a package there to the uh, to the studio. Yeah, and it's he, he printed out a letter, uh, uh, and it looks to be a, maybe a 12 or even 14-point font, kind of one-and-a-half spaced. And uh, go on, on the second page for two lines. That's a rookie mistake, Josh. you got to just shrink that spacing down or maybe use a slightly smaller font so you can get that all on one page. He's an artist, not a WYSIWYG uh, uh, author. Hang on, Elliot. You're saying he's not a WYSIWYG? I'm saying he's not a WYSIWYG. That is all accurate. Right. Just hey, Elliot, Matt, before you get into the mail, very quickly, uh, Elliot, uh, this seemed like something you would have been uh, interested in. Uh, Saturday night, I spent a lot of time watching the live coverage of the rocket crashing. Uh, did oh, you no, follow I any of that? Uh, you know what? I heard about it. I did not end up following that. Although although on Saturday night, I did watch uh, a show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called Pop Cultured. Oh, did you watch Pop Cultured over there on yes. the uh, Rush Ticks? Oh, I crap. Did. I was going to watch that. I totally forgot it was happening. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for watching. And thank you to all the Never Not Funny fans that uh, popped in over there. I, I'm told from the chat and stuff, which I do not watch, uh, look at. I don't have access to it on the Rush Ticks, uh, mm-hmm. that there are a lot of Never Not Funny uh uh, folks in there so i thank them for joining but prior to that happening elliot i was watching one gentleman i think it was called infinite space on youtube oh. and he was uh live streaming uh, mm. some footage from the cosmonaut uh, uh website and mm. uh and then just basically talking about what was happening and you know where they think it is at this very at any now, given moment and now this was a, this was a chinese rocket is that accurate yeah, right? that is correct that? yeah yeah uh but it was uh I will say it was very, very much reminded me of when Skylab was crashing mm-hmm. and I sat on my front porch with my, you know, uh, child, you know, I was a kid, you know, where I made my white Sox batting helmet into a Skylab helmet uh, with the <laughs> Skylab logo on it. I sat out there waiting for Skylab to crash and Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer were doing a live remote uh, that they, they too, they were buried in their Winnebago uh, underneath uh, the, uh, the earth so that they would be safe if, it, if uh, Skylab hit there. Uh, so, uh, it was very much like that, like Skylab, where it's like, oh, my God, this could there's a chance this could land somewhere and take out an entire city, uh, even though they all go, well, you know, the earth is 70 percent water. And then uh, when you talk about the land mass, you know, there's more unpopulated than there's populated. The chances of it hitting anywhere with a person is pretty remote. Uh, yet you still watch it going, holy shit, it's going to hit a city and kill somebody. And so you watch it. Then they finally just go, yeah, and it's down to the end of the ocean. Okay, that was six hours of my life that I watched for that to happen. And there, by the way, there's no footage of it landing. There's no footage. Like, uh, some people did have fireballs going over their house, which was oh, that's cool. uh, interesting. But um, I heard it broke up, too. Like At first, it sounded like it was going to be a major problem. And then it seemed like it, it, uh, it broke up enough in the atmosphere that it was like not going to be. It that broke big. up not a life the bezos oh. <laughs> or the gates and the gates or the gates is yeah all these uh, rich folks are uh, going through a tough time late in life you know what that means elliot time to bag you a widow wait widow that's not the right word <laughs> no, no they're all divorcee. 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 Yeah. Yeah. imagine if uh, all right, elliot... Matt, let's get to this oh, mail quickly sorry, before sorry. our guest melinda gates I, yeah. just, I just suddenly got very excited about elliot dating melinda gates <laughs> and she's she's no tech slouch on her own so yeah uh all right hey uh, fellas once again the fan art bug got me and i had to do this drawing it's an idea i've had for a while back when jimmy's vi- violent home depot bandsaw rants were prevalent and a sponsor's name was a running gag nevertheless the bit stuck in my head and i ran with it 
In the vein of the 70s and early 80s, I thought to put this on a metal sign for the studio or a metal placemat for the studio if you're not crazy about it. I don't I don't recommend a Frisbee due to the sharp edges. There's also a print for each of you included if you would like yeah. as well. It also turns out to be a belated May the 4th Star Wars Day gift as well. Thanks again for all the joy and relief you have given all us NNF fans. It's been a blessing for years, but the past year especially. When we couldn't hang out with anyone, we could always hang out with you guys. I've been having breakfast with you folks for almost almost every day for over a year now. Looking forward to the next Never Not Funny live show. Be safe. Be yourself. Stay great. Josh. P.S. The original got lost in the mail, but good thing I good thing because I noticed a couple of mistakes, so it all worked out. But if you get the first package, no need to keep it. No. <laughs> what, what you don't we, have to keep it. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with it then? All right. So this is. I've been told not to keep it. I mean, just throw it in the trash, or uh, maybe we could auction it. The, the it's, it's going to be like that upside down flying airplane stamp that people would. Yeah. Be, it's like. The mistake makes it more valuable. <laughs> Upside down, you turn me. Hamper down. Hamper okay, tea. I'm going to open the other one so I can read this when I hold it up. So Because I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see it on the camera. But uh, So I'll hold this version. and Okay, so this. Can you see that at all? Not uh, really. You see it is, it is uh, Star Trek, uh, or Star Wars rather related. Yeah. It's. <laughs> it's uh, so. It looks like Jimmy is uh, Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, it looks like you're Chewbacca. Yes. I'm guessing Garen is Luke, and that makes me C-3PO. No, Garen is is Princess Leia, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I couldn't tell because it was a green a green thing going yeah. on there. So. Yeah. Um, and because he's and, got the buns. Just, so that, just to be clear, though, that Elliot is the droid. Yeah, Elliot, I'm, Elliot I'm, I'm not a human yeah. being. There was there were two other human beings on that ship. Yeah. I am neither yes. of them. Still Luke, not to Luke Skywalker yeah. was left out completely. Like you might yeah. think, okay, well if if Jimmy's going to be Han Solo, maybe Matt could be Luke Skywalker. Even though Luke is more the sort of lead, but you know, either way, you could flip flop either of those roles. But no, no Luke Skywalker whatsoever, nope. <laughs> and just Garen as Princess Leia. So let me read it to you. So. It's uh, it's it's uh, as Elliot described those four characters on the Millennium Falcon and it says, sir, the possibility of success. This is C-3PO Elliot is saying, sir, the possibility of successfully completing an anecdote in a timely fashion is approximately three thousand seven hundred twenty two. And then I don't know if uh, I'll go to the right. Then Jimmy's saying, Elo, if you tell me the odds, I'm going to go down to the lightsaber store, pick out the brightest one, purchase it with a coupon, gift wrap it, bring it over to your house. And when you open the box, I'm going to take out the lightsaber, put it against the side of your head and turn it on. And then Garen Princess Leia says, you don't have to do that to impress me. And then Chewbacca... Chewbacca Matt is just yelling, Bonobos! 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 Well, thank is, you, Josh. That's awesome. I love this. And I love that it's thank on metal. Much. I don't know how he got that printed on metal, but that's really cool. So it's like, yeah, it's like one of those, I don't know, these things used to be a thing in the 80s. 70s. I remember that. Yeah, like you get them at like carnivals. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's got a little, uh, it's got a hook on the back so you can hang it on the wall. Nice. This is awesome. Thank well, you, Well, great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll certainly hang that up, Josh, and uh, uh, refresh our studio uh, in the event we ever get back into it. Uh, all right, let's take a break uh, from the, ro- the legendary rock band Chicago. We are joined by trombonist James Panko right after this. Hey, sometimes you find yourself at the, the wall that's missing a couple of bucks. Now, who, did somebody steal it or what's going on over there? It doesn't matter how you're missing the bucks. Money might be a little tight. That's where earn-in comes in, Matt. Yeah, earn-in. Earnings there if you got a last-minute gift for a loved one, an unexpected, uh, unexpected trip to the vet. I've seen a lot of that on uh, uh, social media, by the way. People saying, oh, I had to spend the night at the, at the pet vet. Yeah. People like using the phrase pet vet. 
even though vet covers pet, I mean, what other, are you, are you at the wild animal vet? No, you could be visiting a, a soldier. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think people, I, I think they'd like the sound of pet vet. It does sound fun. It is fun to say. I get it. Uh, but nobody's pointing out that they're at the pet vet for fun. So That's uh, a good point. Yeah. Why are they, yeah. why are they being uh, capricious or uh, silly with their very you know, serious issue? You know, capricious say. <laughs> uh, now, listen, This is here's the important thing. Earn-in is there because the point is you're not at the pet vet at three in the morning going, oh, good, I get to spend X amount of money right. uh, that I don't have. That's where earn jumps in. Yes. Uh, earn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day, up to $750 per pay period. Yeah. So it gives you a little goose if you need it. Yeah, it's, but you're, you're making the money by going to your job and working every day. They're just saying, hey, we can get you that money a little bit sooner than the, than the paycheck arrives. That's exactly right. Now, over three and a half million people are already uh, saying things like, when I I think about earning i think about financial stability security it gives me a lot of peace of mind that's what they're saying they say it like that yeah they, i would think there'd be a little more uh, excitement no, these, these are people that uh, you, you know when they're giving a testimonial they're caught off guard and they're, then they're not comfortable in front of a microphone exactly these right. are not professional these broadcasters like we are yeah, they, they they sound stilted but that's real that's genuine thank you man again it gives them peace of mind <laughs> uh hey download earning today that is spelled e-a-r-n-i-n that's in the google play or apple app store when you download the earning app type in never not funny under podcast please when you sign up it'll help the show let them know who sent you there who directed you there once again put in never not funny under podcast subject your available earnings location daily max and pay period max c earning.com slash tos for details earning is a financial technology company not a bank bank products are issued by evolved bank and trust member fdic earning it's your money get it now Guys, Shopify is something that's very, very dear and important to me, and you know that. You know that. And Matt, you're laughing because you know that I don't stop talking about Shopify off the air. It's really, it's it's weird. It's like your new obsession. Like, you used to talk about, you know, Journey and Kiss all the time. Now it's just Shopify this, Shopify that. I know, and I, all I can do is apologize, but I'll tell you why. It's because whether you're selling scented soaps or uh, offering outdoor outfits... The SSS or the OOO, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, which I learned stands for point of sale, not the other thing that I've been saying. <laughs> right. That's uh, When you go on and on about Shopify, you, sound, you sounded a little foolish because you were raving about, and then people would say, well, why, why is he talking about POS? Like, what? That's yeah. A, they didn't know either, and you didn't know how to tell them. Uh, well, no, because I was on the wrong side of history on that as well. Yeah. But point of sale is what POS stands for when we're talking Shopify. I'm excited because we've set up our own Shopify account to uh, handle our uh, our perks. You know, we were sending out uh, T-shirts and, and yearbooks to our subscribers, and uh, it's so easy. It's great. I get to, you know, assign roles to different people. Like our, our, our web guy, Jeff, is he's an admin in there now, and I, I just it was so easy to set him up, and then I set up our T-shirt guy. He's got an account in there he can log in he can do what he needs to do to get our shipping done it's awesome um i've been kept out of the loop on that uh because um you're kind <laughs> yeah well, as much as you rave about it you don't want to know about i don't want to know i don't want to know how the sausage is made i just no. want to see the uh the, the results right that's what i want and, and also i don't know if illegally i can get away with this but it's so easy to shopify well, because Come you were on. off key, I think we're legally safe. I think I was on key for the, what I was doing. <laughs> we all knew what it was. Uh, you know, I'm not doing karaoke to a backing track. <laughs> it was on whatever key I was at. Uh, sign up for $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Pardo. That's all lowercase. Shopify.com slash Pardo. Now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com slash Pardo. Shopify, a better way to sell. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the program, episode uh, 2813. Uh, Is that what we settled on, the uh, the Baker's Dozen mm-hmm. of the 28th season of Never Not Funny? We are joined. This is a long time in the making. This is exciting. This is, uh, Jimmy, you have no idea how much you are a part of this program on a regular basis. Uh, but for those that are joining us for the first time, by the way, if you've joined this to get, uh, you think you're going to get an in-depth interview with Jimmy Panko from Chicago, that ain't happening. That's not what this show is. This show isn't us going album by album and him going track by track. Uh, this will be us talking about our lives and him as a dad. And, uh, and of course, we're going to talk about the, the music because that's what... Uh, uh, what brings him here. Uh, but if you don't know anything about Chicago, even if you've been listening to my show for 15 years and I don't shut up about this band, let me walk you through some Thanks of the songs. Thanks for being such a fan. <laughs> I, Jimmy, you, you, you have no idea what you've done for my life and how happy you've made me on so many different levels. But let me just very quickly tell the people that may not know uh, about Jimmy Panko in Chicago. The songs, This Man Alone, in addition to all the other songs, these guys have had 33 top 40 hits Three of them went to number one. Eleven of them went top five. Six went top ten. Eight went top twenty. Five went top forty. This man alone has written "Make Me Smile," "Color My World," "Just You and Me," "Feeling Stronger Every Day," "I Miss Certain So Long," "Old Days," songs you still hear on the radio every goddamn day. <laughs> These yeah, guys. My, have- wife, my wife goes to, to the grocery store. She comes home. She said, "Jimmy." I can't get away from your music. It's driving me nuts. I said, don't complain. It's paying for the groceries. (laughs) Right, right. Enjoy those apples. Right. It uh, now, Jimmy, just so that we know you and here, as I mentioned, you, 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 you are a believe it or not, a running bit on this show for the last 12 years. Uh, You when you and I met on an airplane many, many years ago, uh, we talked about show business and you said, uh, isn't it great? We're living the dream. And you said it in such a way, such a positive way, that whenever the word dream comes up on this show, we always go, we're living the dream! We're Jimmy Panko, we're living the dream! Uh, you consider yourself very, very lucky, don't you? You don't take it for granted. You know, yeah, uh, how blessed are we to be able to do something we're passionate about for half a century? Uh, you know, you can relate, you're in the business. I mean, to, to go to work and not go to work, uh, you know, they call it play music. Well. Uh, I can't wait to go to work, uh, to get up there and put smiles on people's faces and to uh, to have the ability to be in the happiness business is truly a blessing. Uh, I feel it every night I walk on that stage. Those people can't get enough of it. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really blessed, really lucky. Uh, there are how many people do we know that dread the trudgery of back and forth to work you know Mm. and if i stop doing this i'd wither and die so i am very grateful for what what i do for what we do Jimmy, the song by Dan Fogelberg, you know, where uh, old same old Lang Syne, where he talks about, you know, the the, the stage is uh, the audience is heavenly, but the, the traveling is hell. The, the, does the traveling a guy? You know, I've been on the road for thirty two years as a stand up, so and you've been on the road for fifty years as a musician. Yeah. So, you know, that's a line from a song I can relate to. Uh, do you still feel the same way, or, or or is the travel just old hat to you at this point? Well, you know, yeah, as as we age. You know, mortality is uh, a reality, uh, you know, and living out of a suitcase for a month or more at a time uh, when you're in a different place every day, you right. know, every hotel is a surprise. Every flight is a surprise, hopefully an uneventful one. 
but that becomes more tedious because, uh, you know, it's, it's just intense scheduling. Uh, we actually, we literally do 25 cities in 35 days. So, you know, sometimes I have to ask people where we are <laughs> because we move so quickly. In right. fact, uh, on stage, I do a lot of the raps on stage and I've requested that the, the, uh, the techs put the name of the city at the base of the mic. So, uh, I don't go, hello, Cleveland, when we're in Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. You know, and it becomes a blur. But uh, bottom line is the show, that two and a half hours, redeems the other 22. Right. Uh, so everything is worth, uh, tra- the travel is worth it just to get on those stages every night. Jimmy, do you guys still go out and do a sound check before each show, or is is that it's? Are you guys just ready to go? Well, you know, doing it so long. no, no, not really. Uh, unless it's uh, television or something, and we have to do a line check. Uh, typically, uh, our crew, who is very loyal, who uh, the core of our crew has been with us for many years, they know the drill, they know what we need, and they know what uh, we're supposed to sound like uh, from the front of the house engineer to the monitor engineer to all the instrument techs. So they have, they test everything before we, uh, you know, get to the show. So it's pretty much uh, by rote every night. And in terms of rehearsing, uh, the show itself uh, is the rehearsal. You know, we've been doing this long time and uh, you know, it's, you know, it's basically more a case of getting on that stage and having the energy because energy is everything. And when you're not having to focus on the music itself, um, technically uh, you have that ability to focus on the interplay with the audience. It's a give and take, I call it hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> you know, and you look out there and you see people go, oh man, this is great. <laughs> and then you're looking at them and they're going, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so it, it's a synergy that we look forward to every night. But those texts that we have are amazing. Everything is just spot on when we walk out there. Jimmy, when you, as a comic, you know, when we're on, as I'm on stage and and let's say I'm in front of 200 people and 199 are laughing like crazy, but one guy's got a sourpuss. And of course, <laughs> I, I'm like, what the fuck is that guy's problem? I'm stuck on him the whole show. Do you <laughs> yeah. see that as a musician as well? Do you see somebody oh, out yeah, there maybe man, with their arms I, crossed? Uh, you know, you look out, it, thankfully, uh, most of the folks in the audience are like, yeah, they're totally jazzed. But you'll see a few going, it's too loud. Or somebody, the, the one I, I love is. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a killer. The worst. Hey, buddy, are we keeping you up? <laughs> Don't wake the baby. But, you know, you, you have those night to night so you know you never know what's going to happen or who's going to be out there and then maybe there's there's the guy that's had a a few too many to drink and the people around him get annoyed and we actually uh are quite entertained we see these little movies going on in the crowd a guy dumps a drink on a person and you know a fight breaks out you know that stuff happens too so you never know 
You know, uh, speaking of that, uh, the very first time I saw you guys uh, was in 1981 at Chicago Fest. And I, I, I grew up, my dad listened to you guys, and I became a huge fan because of, uh, because of that, because of my dad playing Chicago in the house. And, and so in 1981, my buddy Gary said, hey, we're going to go to Chicago Fest and see Chicago, but I like to get there early so that we could sit in the front row. So it's like, oh, okay. And so we got there like at eight in the morning to go to this show. We get in the, we're in the first row and we're watching. And, and at the time I knew, I knew a lot of the songs, but I didn't know everything. Cause again, I, my dad was the fan. I was just kind of a casual fan at the time. And, and so I knew the hits of course, but I didn't know stuff like, uh, you know, I think you opened up with hold on from Chicago 14 and manipulation, I think was in that set list. And, and uh, South California purples oh. was in the set list. And the guy next to me, kept yelling out and you guys had already played purples and he keeps yelling out play purples play purples <laughs> and you on microphone and again i'm in the front row so i can hear this but on the microphone you go we already played it you fucking idiot <laughs> and <laughs> it was the it was like i'm in for life i'm in on this band for life because of that it was the greatest you know you, you get you well you get you know all about getting heckled oh sure Comedians have the toughest job on the planet as far as this business because you're you're naked. You're on your own. You don't have eight other guys on stage to hide behind you know, if you <laughs> right. fuck up. So I respect your craft very, very Thank much. You. But, it, you know, we've kind of developed a thick skin. I remember when we opened for Jimi Hendrix back in 1968, which, by the way, was huge exposure. It was before any record. And, you know, he, he saw us at the Whiskey on Sunset Boulevard and we're waiting to go back on stage. And here here's Hendrix standing in the doorway of the dressing room. And he says, you guys, you guys have a horn section that sounds like one set of lungs and a fucking guitar player that's better than me. You want to go on the road? It was like, whoa. Uh, nonetheless, we'd be on the we were on the road with Jimi Hendrix and we'd come out as the opening act and we'd hear we want jimmy we <laughs> want jimmy and walt perzinger would walk up to the mic and said shut the fuck up and listen <laughs> love it and they did great <laughs> that's good uh if i were you by the way i would have taken that as an opportunity to do a trombone solo and they said well, they wanted me they're yelling they want jimmy yeah. <laughs> It uh, and by the way, just very quickly for the for the folks for the rest of the conversation, the original band was Robert Lamb, Peter Cetera on bass and vocal, Terry Kath on guitar, who Jimi Hendrix alluded to, and that Lee Lochner on trumpet, uh, Jimmy on trombone, Jimmy Panko on trombone, Walt Perizzetti on on woodwinds, and uh, Danny Serafin on drums. So that was the original band because I'm yeah. sure those names are going to pop up throughout this conversation. Yeah. Um, and that story that you tell about Jimi Hendrix being in the doorway saying that Terry was better than him, you know, we've been hearing that Chicago fans have been hearing that story for ages and it sounds like urban legend but th that actually happened that actually happened uh the two of the it was it was amusing actually uh rest in peace first of all to both of them i mean two huge talents that left us way too early uh but they were actually thoroughly intrigued with each other uh terry had every one of his solos memorized by the time we worked with him and uh, I have no doubt that Jimmy, uh, you know, did a musicology trip on Terry's playing, too, uh, prior to our touring. Mm -hmm. But they were actually intimidated by each other. And, uh, you know, Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell kept trying to prod Jimmy into opening a dialogue with Terry. 
And all of us did the same with Terry Kath to start a conversation with him. And the two of them were, uh, you know, were very nervous around each other at first. Finally, uh, well into the tour, they got comfortable enough to actually talk shop. And uh, a conversation started about doing a collaboration uh, on record. Wow. Uh, which would have been huge. It would have been amazing. And sadly, they, they both left us before that ever had a chance to flourish. So, yeah. uh, but they were, you know, they want, they would go, you know, in a corner on the airplane or we go over to their hotel, by the way, they treated us like gold. We were four guys to a room in the holiday inn and they sent the limo for us and brought us over to the presidential suite and wined us and dined us. They, they treated us like family. I'll never forget it. And Jimmy and Terry would be off in a corner, just totally absorbed in uh, conversation about, you know, the, the music, about yeah, yeah, yeah. the guitar. And it was, uh, it was really fascinating to watch the interplay between them. It's you know it's interesting because we we think of Jimi Hendrix as this iconic this this just bigger than life personality but at the end of the day he used to just to do the plays guitar and wants to talk to another guy playing guitar I mean that's, that's right what, and actually he was he was quite a, a shy individual he was introspective he was quiet and uh, you know he, he had a problem coming out of his shell he didn't talk much uh, he uh, he was all about letting his guitar do the talking. Yeah. And, you know, they'd go on stage after we finished and, you know, we'd stay at the show and just marvel. Uh, I mean, so much music out of three guys. And, you know, the the show would end with an explosion and there would be this big puff of canned smoke and they were gone. They had, the, they had the car parked behind the scaffold and when the smoke cleared they were gone they disappeared Jesus. and everybody in the audience is going holy cow they yeah. disappeared but That's... man that was an unforgettable experience and again uh, what a blessing that he respected our work enough to invite us as an opening act we were nobodies uh, we had no record uh, we were an unknown artist and uh, we had to kind of cram it down the audience's throat. <laughs> it, uh, well, listen, they didn't obviously. get it at first. <laughs> what, did they, what didn't they get, Jim? It, it, did they, because, I mean, the Buckinghams were around, so it's not like mm-hmm. a band with, with horns was so crazy. We're coming out of the 50s and the 40s like, and, and, and 60s that had a lot of horns, the Motown stuff. Why was it so uh, strange to the listener to hear a rock band with horns? Because to me now, it just sounds natural. Well, yeah, but you're right. Uh, You know, it's a common thing now. Uh, But our approach to the horn section was and is, remains very different. Uh, Our horn section is a main character in the song. Mm -hmm. We aren't just frosting on the cake like the R&B songs that we played in clubs because that was the top 40 back in the late 60s. you know, it's behind the vocals where our horns are right up front. Yes. They're melodic, you know, you are my love. So 
the horn section uh, brings the vocal in and rides the vocal out. It intertwines uh, around what the vocals are doing. So it's almost like another lead vocal. And uh, because of its presence right up front, it was new to people's ears. Gotcha. Uh, you know, we were we were all over this music and they couldn't figure, you know, they, they even called it jazz because of the... Uh, um, the permeation of the horns in the track and the music was was so so much so that uh, it bordered on you know instrumental in a lot of ways and people equated it with you know human nature has a tendency to categorize stuff you know for comparison and you know they called it jazz rock or whatever. Uh, but basically, it was rock and roll with with a indigenous horn section that was a main character in the music. Yeah, you know what? So that, people that, had to get used to that. I think it's a great way of putting it, Jimmy. In, in that, uh, you know, so many is often a band will have a guitarist and a rhythm guitarist. You guys at the time, basically, the horns were the rhythm guitarist being part of. You know, doing that uh, that portion of the music, so uh, yeah. and, and filling out the sound, or is that am I watering it down too much? No, actually, Jimmy, uh, you have a, a a really accurate vision of that. Uh, yeah, a lot of if we weren't doing melodic soli lines, you know, uh, lead lines, we were playing uh, we were we were playing shots and riffs that were very percussive and it drove the track. So you're right on about that. You're uh, damn right. I'm right on. Like Fellas, a, make a note of that. Like Terry Kath, <laughs> when he wasn't soloing, He's, he was, he was laying that groove down that yeah. rhythm. The thing that was unique about Terry, and I'm sure Hendrix uh, recognized it, was Terry could play rhythm and lead at the same time. Same time. You know, he would he would just be playing this nasty, funky rhythm thing and playing a solo with it. I mean, I don't know how he did that, but, you know, he had a technique that was monstrous. Um, you know, I was just telling somebody that, uh, some, you know, every now and then, because I'm the Chicago fanatic in the comedy world, whenever something happens in your in the Chicago world, I get a million texts or tweets or emails going, <laughs> Uh, do you see this? Here's the thing with Terry Kath, and he's playing. He's, he's doing a solo and and rhythm the whole time. I'm like that's the fascinating part about Terry Kath. Like he did a thing that no other guitarist really ever did. Like how did he play both parts at once? It's fascinating. It's a yeah. it's a magic trick. He, he'd even uh, play bass lines on the east, the lower E string. He he'd do it all God. at once. He was actually a, an amazing bass player. Uh, he played bass in uh, several groups in the Chicago area before we, we put our band together. And, uh, you know, so he came from a bass world and, you know, the bass is laying down the foundation in a, in, in a song. So he was laying down that foundation with the guitar and then playing the lead lines at the same. So we, it, conceptually he was, he was like playing a bass guitar and a, uh, uh, a regular electric guitar at the same time in his head. Right. So it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, and it left such a, a foundation for the horn section. I mean, we had a blast, you know, interplaying with what was going on in the rhythm section. Right. And Danny would be doing fills, you know, that kick the horns 
or fills that kicked the guitar parts or whatever. So it was very synergistic. You know, we all listened to each other and it was very organic because uh, by listening closely to what everybody was playing, we could then create interplays among uh, instruments. Did you? It, it, we, still, we still do that today. But back in those days, man, it was so much more raw. Uh, it was less polished. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the rock and roll era uh, in that ta- at that time was less sophisticated. You know, we came out of R&B. We went into heavy metal. Uh, you know, Chicago was somewhere in the middle and we were grabbing elements of everything. You know, people often ask, you know, uh, what do you call your music? Well, our music is, it's pop music. It's rock and roll music that has become uh, mainstream, if you will, because of the large uh, demographic of the audience. People from 10 to 70 get it and they all uh, relate to it on their own level. But each guy in the band brings their own background their own thing to the table so the the result is uh, a a melting pot of jazz classical r&b uh you know uh, just about you know country funk uh zydeco i mean everybody brings their own thing to the table and we stir it up and we take Chicago out of the pot. Right. You know? So. Do you, Jimmy, this is only because you just said the band's name. You started as CTA. All you guys, you know, you went to DePaul. A bunch of guys went to DePaul. You met. Let's make this band. We're the big thing. Let's change it to the Chicago Transit Authority. Uh, you get threatened. You're going to get sued. And you change it to the name Chicago. Um was there was there ever regret in calling it Chicago because it's so goddamn confusing if I want to do an internet search to buy a fucking t-shirt? <laughs> no, uh, actually, uh, you know, it really, uh, it, the name got shortened by virtue of <laughs> promoters uh, screwing the name up on marquees. You know, we'd pull into town and, you know, the marquee would say, Chicago transients, <laughs> the CT authority. Uh, unless you were a resident of Chicago, you had no idea what Chicago transit authority. Of course, you know, it was this long, uh, irrelevant, freaking title. Uh, uh, so don't know anything we, about that. We the first album, which which was titled after the band Chicago Transit Authority or CTA. As, they, as Chicagoans call the rapid transit system, uh, in the liner notes on the first album in small print, it says, by virtue of where all of these boys grew up, where all of this amazing music was born, simply called them Chicago. Yeah. But nobody caught it. So the art department at Columbia decided, hey, Let's end this once and for all and plaster that logo on every album so right. people know. And that Chicago logo, as a matter of fact, uh, here's another interesting uh, bit of trivia. Uh, John Berg was on his way 
uh, into Manhattan one morning to, to work. And he looked up and saw a Coca-Cola billboard. Mm. And boom, the light bulb went off in his head. He presented, he got all excited, and he immediately uh, ran into Nick Fasciano's office, who was the illustrator, he was the head artist for the label, and talked about the, sh- the uh, Coca-Cola logo and how iconic it was. And he suggested to Nick that maybe it'd be really cool to do a Chicago logo in that, in that bag, you know, that had right. this classic look. And so Nick came up with the Chicago logo and you can kind of see a resemblance, you know? So that has been uh, the logo that I've hidden behind for 55 years. <laughs> it's dumb. And it, I mean, certainly I like, can still take my kids to McDonald's and not get hassled. <laughs> but which you, uh, but don't you kind of want to be hassled a little bit? Don't you want oh, yeah, a little well, bit? Of- you know? Yeah. And especially now after being around so many years, uh, you know, eventually people are going to take notice. You know, uh, I, I, I keep laughing, you know, because not until relatively recently, you know, this, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, right. the Lifetime Achievement Grammy, you know, all of these awards are popping up. Maybe people are finally going, hey, what about Chicago? <laughs> and it, 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 think, it did all happen you know, in the last five years. Later, People are kind of taking notice, but yeah, I'll, I'll get recognized in airports or, you know, in a restaurant or, you know, in Ace Hardware or something, but it's, uh, it's people that obviously know or know us or fans of the music because, you know, I'm not a face. I'm not an Elton John, you know, I'm not a Steven Tyler. I'm not a, you know, uh, so, um, it's always very respectful. And it all—it always makes me feel so grateful. You know, people walk up to you and go, "Man, I don't want to bother you. I just—you know—I had to tell you. Right. You know, your music means so much to me and my family. I can't even tell you. Hey, do you mind taking a selfie? Not at all, man. Without you, there ain't no career. Right. You know. And I tell that to artists as many times as I can. Hey, man, be grateful. For those people that put hard-earned money down on the mm. table to see you, because without that, it wouldn't matter one bit. You could be the best thing since sliced bread. If nobody gave a shit, you don't have a career. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, thanks for digging what we do. Hey, yeah, oh, man, I grew up to your music. And I say, so did I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's what I said in, the, in, the, in Peter Pardini's documentary. I was like, basically... You know, and by the way, I'm so I'd never been prouder of anything I said in my life. It was like I you guys were the, are literally the soundtrack to my life because I grew up with my dad listening to it. I got involved with you guys in the 80s. Your dad you know, brainwashed you. My dad did brainwash me. And uh, and yet he still hopes I have a plan B for show business, Jim. He, um, and so it's uh, but Elliot, Elliot, you wanted to say something. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the logo and I wanted to kind of get in while we were talking about that. Yeah. One of the things for me, I've done some graphic design in my life and and the the logo and the way that (laughs) the way the art is incorporated into the album covers there's a lot of those album covers where it's sort of it's like part of the environment as opposed to like here's just the logo that folks do and i'm wondering like was that from the band is that from the the record label did you guys do that on purpose i mean obviously on purpose but like was that a, that a goal of yours 
uh, interesting observation, Elliot. Yeah, um, actually, we talked about it with, with Jimmy Gersio, our producer. And, you know, he was very uh, classically motivated. You know, he loved the classics. Uh, he was quite highbrow, actually, you know, mm -hmm. in his tastes. And it uh, it started with the second album, you know, with the logo plastered all over it. But as, as you've said, you know, the logo was presented in less obvious ways. You know, we did everything from chocolate bars to mm -hmm. leather tooling to uh, you name it. it, it the, the logo was manifested in uh, a zillion different ways. But there was never, other than Chicago 12, which was called Hot Streets, it was kind of the exception to the, the rule, um, the albums were numbered. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Gersio's uh, approach was, well, you know, all of the great classical composers numbered their works. You know, symphony number one, mm -hmm. symphony number two, etude number one. And there was something classy about that to Garcia. Mm -hmm. So he, in his vision, felt that, you know, many years up the road, and again, this was a bold prediction, but, you know, 20 albums later, when you guys, you know, decide to throw in the towel, people will be able to reference your work numerically rather than try to remember titles mm -hmm. that may be forgettable. But, you know, every album, one, two, three, four, and there's still numbers. So, you know, we're actually working on 37 right now. Love it. And uh, I'm hearing some amazing stuff. I threw a couple songs in there of my own that I'm really proud of. Good. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're in the process of uh, embarking on uh, an original studio album, uh, which is uh, sounding really amazing. And hopefully it will preempt uh, or coincide with this summer's touring season, which we can't wait for. Of I haven't been home this long uh, in a half a century. I'm driving my family crazy and driving myself. It's been dismal. And I talked to other artists in the business. You know, you know about this. I mean, we've all been working virtually, you know, but there's nothing like the real thing, no. man. We need the hand-to-hand -hand combat of an audience. Uh, by the way, Jimmy, before we get away from the uh, from the logo too much, I don't know if you could see over my yeah. Uh, head. Uh, we have a different logo for every one of our seasons, and for our tenth, uh, we made the uh, we used the chocolate bar cover for our for our logo. Awesome. We, we, we parodied. We oh parodied yeah, I can that. see the bottom half of it. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. It, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, right there. And then the never not funny is in the chocolate itself. Yeah. So, yeah. Jimmy, I love you, man. You are such a true fan, and I speak for the whole band. We sh we share an appreciation for your enthusiasm. Well, God you, bless you. Thank you, brother. Of course. Um, it, it, it as I said when we started, uh, the, the joy. I, I share the story, Jimmy, and, and and I'm I'm very very fortunate that I've been asked to co-write the liner notes with David Wilde for your upcoming Chicago, uh, the Carnegie Hall re-release, and to be to have my name in a Chicago album is first of all the biggest dream come true that there, that there could ever be. Uh, secondly. I share the story of, of seeing you at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I told it on the show, and I'll share it again. 
that when you came off the stage uh, performing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, something that was long overdue for you guys to get, and you saw me in the hallway, and your first thing was, I'm so glad you could share this with us. It meant the fucking world to me. I remember running into you, man. It was yeah. It was it was a it was a great moment. It was the fact that you thought it, that you took the second to say that to me when you you should have been on cloud nine and been the biggest rock star in the world, Bigfoot and everybody walking past the dickhead like <laughs> yeah, me. But you know what, brother? Like I just told you, when I ran into you, you did not fall short of impressing me with your loyalty and your Thank support you. for the band. How could I walk by that? Come on. Well, thank you. Uh, well, uh, on top of that, you're a real guy. I mean, you know, you know, we're Chicago guys. You know, we we hit it off instantly. It was amazing. It was. I will say that. Remember, fellas, remember when I was on the plane with, with Jimmy? I think it was 2009. I was coming back from Cincinnati, and you were sitting in the row behind me. And I came back on this show going, I had the greatest conversation with Jimmy Panko of Chicago, and it was like we knew each other. It was yeah. the craziest oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. And then when I, I when you did the Tonight Show when I worked at Conan uh, at the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien when I worked there, and I was like, you know, I, I I came back to say hello to you guys and I said good to see you again, and I and you said we should get together. I'm right over here in Calabasas. <laughs> and it was like. What the fuck is happening? This is uh, anyway. Um, that's enough of the ass kissing nonsense. Let's get back to business. Um, uh, Jimmy, I wa- before we uh, we got to do my son's uh, trivia question as well that we do each week. But before we get too far away from uh, you touring with Hendrix and talking about touring, I think that there's a there's a perception of Chicago because of the ballads, because of the '80s. You know, you guys wearing all the you know dressing all in white and and maybe people thinking you're nothing but you know, if you leave me now or hard to say, I'm sorry that at the end of the day, you guys at one time had seven albums on the charts at once. You had five number one albums in a row. You're touring with Hendrix to, as an opener, but then you're headlining your own arenas. You're fucking rock stars. You're not these wussies that I think everybody thinks you guys are, that you're just this wedding band. So certainly there had to be Led Zeppelin-esque rock, sex rock, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? You're not just these guys uh, you know putting what? on tuxedos. We, we touched on it in the movie now more than ever uh, that I thought uh, was really a great job. Peter mm-hmm. Pardini did a wonderful job on that. It captured the essence of the personalities in the band. But, you know, we just touched on it because if we told the real story, we'd probably all be in prison. Sure. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have uh, iPhones in those days. So you could get away with a lot of shit, man. I mean... Yeah. You know, Led Zeppelin didn't do anything more than we did. We we emptied the room of all the furniture in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, it was in the middle of the night and we were bored. We, you know, we we weren't tired, uh, perhaps with some chemical assistance. But uh, there is this huge library chair in the room. And I mean, you know, one of those high backed, heavy leather leverager. And Walt look, looks at Peter and goes, I wonder, I wonder what that chair would do if we dropped that out of the, the, the w- window. <laughs> and Peter's, Peter's like, let's find out. Right. <laughs> we were on the 35th floor, bro. Oh, no. And, and it took three of us to lift this freaking chair and. <laughs> Let it go. Out of 30, the 35th floor? 
Yes. Oh, no. Jimmy, you could have smashed somebody. Hair goes down 35 stories and half goes halfway through the ceiling of the second floor, which was the which was the roof of the kitchen of the hotel. They were preparing a convention breakfast for like 600 people and all the spring, it broke the sprinkler lines in the ceiling of the kitchen and it started raining in the kitchen. It totally fucked up the whole convention breakfast. Next thing you know, of course, security was on the way up and all of us bailed out of wall. It was Walt's room. All of us bailed out of room <laughs> oh, no. and ran down the hall to Jack Gowdy's room, my tour manager. And of course, we heard the security in the hall. These big baboons were in the hall looking for the culprits. Well, they tracked it down because of the trajectory of the chair, you know, to Walt's room because it was right above where the <laughs> right where the impact was. And so they're banging on Walt's door. Walt won an Academy Award. <laughs> he comes out of Jack's room with a robot, messes his hair all up, and puts a robot, comes walk, walking out of Jack's room, right up to the security. God damn it, what kind of security do you have in this hotel? These fans just came up here and they emptied all the furniture out of my room. I had to go to my manager's room to call security. What kind of security do you have in this hotel? I'm disgusted. This is oh, unacceptable. This, these guys are apologizing. Love it. Well, I mean, it was like, oh my God, we dodged a bullet. <laughs> but it did significant damage to the to the sprinkler system at the hotel. And you know, I mean, you know, we fly charter. We flew charter. Fly. We flew charter for many years exclusively, and our pilots were carrier fighter pilots, right out of Vietnam. Wow. You know, and here they are flying a rock band. They're, hey, you guys want to do some tricks? <laughs> Fuck yeah, man! You know. <laughs> We'd be doing barrel rolls. We did negative G's. I have a couple Polaroids. Well, I don't know where they are not anymore. Of people floating, you know, in the aisles of the plane. I had a, a can of beer with balls of beer coming out, and Terry was floating up behind me, grabbing these balls of beer in his mouth. Uh, we did that. We 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 were in two helicopters. Uh, flying to Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, we didn't we didn't go by ground because the Lincoln Tunnel was a horror show. So we went to the East River Heliport and grabbed two choppers. Again, these guys were Huey pilots, and now they're oh, rock and roll. Let's go! You guys want to have some fun? Fuck yeah! These choppers take off, and we fly around the top of the World Trade Centers, which were still there. After that. We fly to the Statue of Liberty and we're hovering about 50 feet in front of her face. And we see tourists in, in the Statue of Liberty's crown. And we're like, ah! and, and people are like, people are freaking out. Next thing you know, these guys are we're flying under the bridges Jesus. on the East oh, River. Boy. And boy. tugboat pilots are like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we landed then in Nassau Coliseum 
and the whole Long Island Police Department had made an LZ with the squad cars with the lights going, and we landed right in the circle of the squad car. Right. Walked in, did the show. It was like, wow. Jesus. Holy moly. Who was that masked man? No kidding. <laughs> you know, we had chicks scaling fire escapes trying to get to us. I mean, it was, yeah, it was serious. You guys were the biggest band. We had roadies in the bars in the hotel taking numbers. You know, it was, it was insane, man. You know, looking back and, you know, we did the drugs and the booze and, you know, most of the band is now, you know, AA, <laughs> you know, instead, you know, instead of going to bars, we go to the gym, you know, right. but it's amazing that, that we all survived. I hey. think Terry Casp, uh accident was a wake up call. I really sure. do. You know, it, 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 you know, Jimmy, you die, you fry. So, are, are you sober now, Jim? Uh, well, I've managed. I, I was never uh, at an addictive stage. I was just using heavy. So I just, when my daughter was born, that was it. I took the drugs, flushed them down the toilet. Hmm. And now it's a glass of wine or a couple of beers with dinner. You know, right. the Lord has shown me the right path. I did, however, uh, I, just to do a, a check on myself, I, uh, I joined AA uh, when I was still in California, uh, and uh, I was in the program for about four years mm -hmm. and benefited greatly. My father was alcoholic, so I had baggage. Uh, my, my siblings all did Al-Anon and sought, sought uh, family support. But I had already left for California before that happened. So I, I was carrying baggage around uh, and I needed to clear that out. Uh, I actually became a sponsor and, uh, you know, uh, lived by the big book. Uh, you know, Lord, give me the courage, uh, the wisdom and the patience, you know, the mantra. And uh, it was really a big uh, plus in my life. So, uh, it's allowed me, it's allowed me to see things, uh, from a much healthier perspective mm -hmm. and be a better dad. It, uh, you know, it, it, boy, you just nailed it at the end there. I, I, I'm sober 22 years and, Congratulations. Um, thank you. And I, I did yeah, one month. Just celebrate Lee Lockney just celebrated 40 years. Isn't that something? I mean, that just, oh. and, and to your Congratulations, point, man. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I, but about, 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 you know, look, my son's only 13, so I was sober a long time before he was born. But I couldn't imagine being what I was, the drunk that I was, having a, a child. And so, and being a dad, like, it, it, there's no question not being a drunk has made me a great dad. You know what I mean? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I came home from a tour. Uh, it was... Yeah, it was 1986 because it was a month before my my daughter was born. I came off the road. I got home. I walked in the house. My son, her brother, was about five years old. Dad, daddy, daddy's home. Hi, son. How you doing? Oh, it's great to be home. I gave him a hug, you know, patted him on the head and immediately walked up to the master bedroom closet where my blow was. My wife was in bed, uh, almost ready to deliver. 
And I walked over, you know, kissed her on the forehead. Hey, honey, it's great to be home. And I walked into my closet to get my blow. And I left the bedroom and went to my studio and proceeded to just uh, get coked up and didn't come back into the house for six or seven hours. I had been on the road for over a month. Right. I walked back in the house to go up to my closet to get more blow. And as I walked in the bedroom, my wife, with tears coming down her face, goes, look at me. Look at me. Do you see me? I'm about to deliver our second child. Do you see me? And it was like the good Lord slapped me across the face. I walked right to the closet, grabbed all the drugs, and flushed them down the toilet. Wow. That's the last time I ever touched the stuff. Wow. That was a moment of clarity. Yeah. Mm. Trust me. That was the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And you have four kids now, right, Jimmy? I have four. Yes, I have uh, two by my current wife, Jeannie. they range in age from almost 40 to almost 19. Right. So we're the Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. And, you, <laughs> you, know? Uh, and I, you know, we all we all stay in touch. You know, when my older daughter got married, we were, both families were together. It was cathartic. You know, it's it's it was a little crazy between the two wives. You know, but you know, everybody got along. It turned sure. into a beautiful experience. And uh, my kids all stay in touch. You know, we have the FaceTime and the social media. So, you know, everybody kind of keeps uh, keeps in touch with each, with each other. My, my older kids, that, that daughter and my, old, my oldest boy have blessed me with three grandchildren. I have uh, two granddaughters and then a grandson that was just born a year ago. So, uh, unfortunately, they're in California and I'm now in Nashville. So, it's a plane ride, but... Uh, I just saw him before Christmas, and uh, I'll be back on the road this summer, so I'll see him when I'm on the road. And, uh, you know, thank God for FaceTime, because it's the next best thing, right? No kidding, right? I haven't seen my dad in over, I guess, 50, almost two years it's going to be since I've seen my dad. So uh, he's back in Chicago, uh, and that's the first thing I'm going to do when we can, just get on a plane and go play golf with my dad. Amen, buddy. You know, it goes fast. Take advantage of every moment you can. Uh, I will, and and your kids, Jimmy. Uh, they're all. Uh, you co-wrote a song on the most recent Christmas album with your youngest daughter, didn't you? Well, uh, not. She didn't sit with me to write the song, but uh, yeah, she gave me inspirations. Oh, okay. Tidbits uh, of inspiration that g- helped to guide me. Uh, I have a song that's a candidate actually for this new album called Make a Man Out of Me. Hmm. And it's a song I wrote to my son Carter when he was just a pup. He was just a, a toddler. And he was laying uh, he was laying down, getting ready to uh, go to sleep. And as I looked down at him, I got this huge rush of emotion and uh, I said goodnight to him and immediately went 
uh, and grabbed a notebook and wrote the lyrics uh, to this song, Make a Man Out of Me. Got a little guy looking up at me, biggest little eyes that I ever did see. So much love and dependency, it's going to make a man out of me. Met your mom on a Saturday night. We laughed and talked till the morning light. We fell in love and it felt so right. She'll make a man out of me. And it's a story of how kids can change your life. Yeah. There's nothing more special. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, parenthood is a tremendous responsibility, but it's also the ultimate blessing. I uh, 100% agree. With and by the way, I'm already tearing up hearing those lyrics. So uh, <laughs> if that's on an album, uh, Jimmy Pardo is going to be a puddle of uh, water when that track uh, ends. And then hopefully the next song takes me, brings me back uh, out of that. Uh, hey, speaking of uh, sons, Jimmy, we do a thing each week here where my son, my 13 year old son, Oliver, uh, writes a trivia question. And Hi, we all Oliver. Play on. <laughs> uh, is it one o'clock yet? He's still at school or else I have him come and say hello. Um, he uh, he's by the way, Jimmy, he's been with me to uh, I'll use his words too many Chicago shows. So he uh, uh, like father, like son, your, your dad, your dad dragged you. Now you're dragging him. I, I, I <laughs> and I think he enjoys it. I think he does. I don't know if he's as fanatical as his father, but uh, uh, he I think he just loves the idea of going to live shows and just loves music, well, you know, and hanging with his dad. That's it. It's quality time, man. That you know what? At the end of it, that's what it is. It doesn't matter what you're it's doing. Quality time with some nice sounds. Right. Oh, speaking of which, Jimmy, before we go, before we do the trivia, uh, here's a here's a Chicago themed fun, quote unquote, game for you. So my, my son and wife and I, we go see you guys at the Hollywood Bowl on Fourth of July a few years back. The show's over. I'm walking to say hello to you guys backstage. And a guy who's a little tipsy stops and goes, how great was that show? I saw it was a phenomenal show. And he said, yeah, but they didn't play my favorite song. And I said, well, what's your favorite song? And he goes, Roses. They didn't do Roses. And I said, I don't think that's a song, sir. They don't have a song called Roses. He goes, yes, they do. And he started singing it. Jimmy, before I start singing it, any idea what he thinks the song is? It's called Roses. What do you think he thinks it is? I have no idea. Right? Because I have you, no idea. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what, what the term Roses would relate to in one of our songs uh color my world no let me give you a clue here's a clue you know because you did color my world and i think you by the way i think you even did this song uh you this is a song you wrote and it went number five on the chart and he thinks it's called roses (laughs) all right i'll sing you want me to sing a little bit yeah Okay, here it goes. And I, so I say, sir, they don't have a song called Roses. And he says, yes, they do. It goes like this. Roses. Old days. Old days. This fucking idiot <laughs> thinks it's called Roses, Jim. And it's just Roses. Roses. Flowers I remember. Right? <laughs> and, and again, it, this isn't just one that he wishes. He says, they didn't play my favorite song. You don't know the title of your favorite song. Roses. All right. That's good. That's a good one. That's great. Uh, All right. uh, Here comes Oliver's trivia question. Jimmy, we do it like Jeopardy. I'm going to give you the topic, and then you are going to bet money, or not bet points, rather, and then uh, I will ask you for your answer, and then eventually your bet. 
your topic is food for thought. Topic is food for thought. I'm guessing it's a food-related question. Uh, you're going to bet anywhere between 1 and 25. Uh, I've got mine. I got mine. In. Okay, do I tell you what I'm going to bet? Uh, not no. yet. Just keep keep that secret, Jim. Then I'll ask okay. you for it. Okay. Does everybody have theirs in? I'll read the question. Then you know what? Then we'll take a break and we'll come back and get everybody's answers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is everybody in with their bet? Yes. Yep. yep. All right. The question is, Despite what chain having roughly 13,446 locations in the U.S., Montpierre, uh, Vermont, is the only state capital to not have one. Montpelier. Montpelier. Thank you, Matt. Despite what chain, despite this chain would be a better way of saying, despite this chain having roughly 13,000, by the way, roughly, and then he gives a very precise number. <laughs> um, That's odd. Despite this chain having roughly 13,446 locations in the U.S., Mont- Montpelier, say it again, Matt, I've never heard of this place. Montpelier. Montpelier, Vermont is the only state capital to not have, apparently I've heard of this place, I learned my capitals at one point. <laughs> right. um, Montpelier, Vermont is the only state capital to not have one. All right, so this is a chain of some sort, restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. So you're throwing a dart, basically, to try to guess yeah. what chain is not okay. in Montpelier. Okay. Yeah. All right, so listen, Jimmy Panko is here. He is a, re- a recent recipient of the uh, International Trombone Association uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, Jimmy, you didn't get that until... 2020 they gave you that um the uh, international trombone association lifetime achievement award in 2020 they gave you that award uh jimmy i i can name exactly one trombonist why did it take so long for you to get this award (laughs) (laughs) well you know i again like i said if you stay stick around long enough People are going to take notice. But they should have noticed you. You're, you're the only you know, rock and roll trombone you know, player. First of all, you know, I'm, and I say this with a little embarrassment. I, I don't know how long the ITA has been, ah. uh, you know, a true organization. Uh, I just became aware of the, them in the last five or six years. Uh, but, you know, they have become more and more visible, uh, especially in the music community. And the association is comprised of uh, whom I consider the most gifted trombonists uh, in the world. Uh, It's global. uh, And when I, you know, I'll go on the, on Zoom, they have Zoom chats every Thursday, and now and then, you know, they invite me, you know, if I have time to jump on, and I have several times, you know, and there are legendary trombonists, you know, in this Zoom. Uh, one of them just moved to Nashville. I'm going to have coffee with them uh, uh, up the road a little bit. But, uh, you know, to most people, you know, trombonists, who gives a shit, you know? <laughs> okay. This is a association of pipe cleaners, you know, I mean <laughs> – you know, to me, the award is probably the most prestigious because recognition from your peers sure. is the most satisfying. I mean, and most of these trombone players could blow me away. I mean, blow me out of the water. As a matter of fact, there's, I mean, you know, I, I've listened to some of them play on YouTube or 
you know, live. I'm going, how do you do it, man? I mean, your technique is so unbelievably perfect. Why me? What, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you guys have given me the lifetime achievement and you blow me out of the water, man. And they, they all said, Jimmy, you created yes. an opportunity for not only trombonists, but for wind players that never existed before. That's being a, 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 a main voice in popular music. You know, we became cool to play the music of our peers. Before you guys came along, you know, you created these horns for Chicago and you created a niche that never existed. Now we can go to gigs and play music that people love. It used to be concert band, uh, you know, symphony, marching band, jazz band. I mean, I was a jazz guy because that's the only music that existed for trombone that swung other than, you know, classical. Right. Uh, so the fact that, you know, this horn thing in pop music gave opportunities for so many horn players. You know, I've had guys come up to me, hey, man, thanks for creating the work for us. And it's not just that, but what really blew me away is they shared with me that it's not, it's not what I played. It's not necessarily my technique. It's my style. This style I created. I, you know, I, I treat the horns like they're being sung mm -hmm. with nuances. I'm not, I'm not going, ba, 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 ba. I'm going, it gives it a human quality. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've imparted to the Chicago horn section. And that's what they're acknowledging. They say, Jimmy, you reinvented the freaking horn. I went, shit, I never thought about yeah. that. <laughs> so I take that as the ultimate, you know, sure. acknowledgement uh, from guys that are just monstrously talented. Uh, and that is, of course, in reference to the question I asked 45 minutes ago about <laughs> why did it take so long to get an award from the trombone company? All right. Uh, <laughs> who were, who were, if I may, who were some of your mentors, you know, in your field? I oh, mean, stand up? Well, uh, the overall is Johnny Carson was my, my biggest hero. And then for, specifically stand up, uh, Richard Lewis and Robert Klein are, are oh, my man. top two. Oh, creams yeah. of the crop. And and to and, and in a little bit uh, also uh, Paul Reiser who of course has a connection with you because of your brother. Oh yeah, a delightful guy I might add. Oh, he's the greatest, and he he was very nice. I opened for him a bunch, and he's been on this program I think three or four times now. Um, he as I describe, he's got funny in his bones, Paul Reiser. He's just oh yeah, a, a funny person. Absolutely. Um, and for those that don't know, I alluded to it. Uh, Jimmy's and brother so are John. You, man. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Um, uh, I'm doing my best to not fanboy out. I'm trying, I'm trying my best to just do my usual show that I do and at the same time uh, not do that. So okay, I'm, I'm walking a line. You walked up to me and got my face. You had me laughing my ass off backstage at the Rock and Roll Hall, baby. Thank you. 
Thank you. It uh, Again, what a night. That was a, such a great night. Uh, all right, listen, let's take a quick break. Okay. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get the answers for Oliver's trivia question. We'll close things up with Jimmy Panko. Uh, we'll be right back right after this. Hey guys, Matt here with some dates for you. Jimmy Panko, not on Twitter, I don't believe, but you can follow Chicago the Band at Chicago the Band. Uh, you know all about Chicago the Band. They're a legendary rock band from Chicago. And uh, please go to chicagotheband.com to find out where they will be performing this summer. They are starting a, t- a new tour this summer. I think they're starting in the Southeast. So if you're in that area, or maybe even up into the Northeast by the end of summer, and, uh, and then across the rest of the country in the fall going towards the holiday season uh you know what i'm actually excited i've never seen chicago perform live but uh i you know i I, i've i've fallen uh, prey to jimmy's uh, constant uh, praise of them and uh i want to see them live now they sound incredible and uh i'm going to take the next possible opportunity i have to go see chicago in concert you should do the same thing in the meantime you can always listen to their music wherever you listen to music spotify apple all that stuff so check out Chicago. Uh, probably goes without saying. You've probably already done that. Uh, meanwhile, Jimmy can be checked out. He's performing at Flappers, uh, flapperscomedy.com, the virtual Zoom room comedy show there. Uh, May 21st, that is a 7 p.m. Pacific time show. Uh, go to flapperscomedy.com, like I said, to get tickets for Jimmy's show. He's uh, going to keep up the monthly residency there, I believe. So you can always find him there doing some uh, crowd work in the Zoom room, telling stories, taking requests for bits, all that good stuff. Flapperscomedy.com is the place. Uh, don't forget to check out our other um, shows on Misfit Toys, like the Jen Kirkman, No Fun with Jen Kirkman. That is Jen Kirkman's uh, podcast, where you just really get a glimpse into her mind and her life, and it is a beautiful mind, and you should check that out. Uh, you know and love Jen from our show, uh, so spend a little time with her. If you're looking for something to listen to and you're all out of Never Not Funnies, just search No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast on whatever app you use to get podcasts and you will laugh and enjoy yourself. And now back to the show. Uh, listen, this is, you, you know this, uh, Belknap and, and Hochberg and myself, we love the Factor meals. In fact, Garen Cockrell's gotten on board with the Factor recently. Yeah, he's into it. I we, mean, who wouldn't like it? And once you try it, you go, hey, this is good stuff. Once you Factor, you can't go back there. Yeah. It's like that old Yo Gabba Gabba song. Try it. You'll like it. I never was on board with Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> and nothing has changed as I've gotten older. Yeah. In I, the, in I the imagine, 16 years since I've watched it, I've not gotten on board. I imagine it do, doesn't age well. It was very of the moment and very I think it was hipster. very of the pre-me. Like, I think it was hipster even prior to me. What? Like, before I had a kid, it, it, oh, yeah, it, it sure. was prior to Oliver's where... I don't I don't know if it's even still around. I hope not. We don't have time to talk about it. <laughs> what's no, going on with you. We're here to talk about Factor. Yeah. Although, you know what? Pop a Factor into the microwave. Two minutes later, this baby's ready. Uh, you sit down. Watch some Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> sure. Enjoy your Factor. Yeah. Right? Get in there. Get the Wiggles out. That's somebody else, right? No, that, oh, no that's them. Get your sillies out. Get your sillies out. Yeah. Wiggles are another kid's thing. Yeah. And those guys, I got no, I got no truck with those guys. Good. Uh, they've got over 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Various different, you know, look, if you want chicken, they got chicken. You want a beef thing, they got beef thing. You want to bump up to a to a gourmet meal, they got mm. filet mignon. Mm. They've got, uh, they, they had lobster the other day. Oh, my God. Oh, they got all this, all sorts of things over that. there. They got delicious things over there. Head to factormeals.com slash pardo50. Use code pardo50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That is code PARDO50 at factormeals.com slash PARDO50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor. 
Good food. Fast. Hey, hiring's hard. So hard. So ZipRecruiter's there to make it easy. So easy. That a boy, Matt. You did exactly what I was hoping for. We don't plan these folks. We don't script these out. We we sit down. We go, uh, hey, let's do a ZipRecruiter ad. And then I, I just say something, and then Matt responds. And it's very, very, never not funny. Very brand. organic. Very uh, organic. We both turn into James Austin Johnson <laughs> doing Trump. Very organic. They're talking about organic. <laughs> Hey, see why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's 24 hours. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. Go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Once again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Look, we haven't had to hire anybody in a long time, but I know there's people out there that have a small business and they do. Yes. And... uh Look, I don't want to do that job. If you wanted to work, you would go work uh, as a headhunter if you cared, if you enjoyed hiring people for, you know, that was your your passion. It's not mine. No, it's, I don't, it's not mine either. So my passion's the opera. <laughs> Obviously, we all know that. Okay, I just want to make from, sure. From longtime listeners know that you love the I opera. I want to make sure that everybody's reminded of it. So just leave it to the professionals at ZipRecruiter. Let them do it. Let their technology help you so that you don't have to waste your time finding great candidates that's exactly right by the way we have tickets for the opera coming up i'm gonna hire somebody to go in my place <laughs> uh that is my passion my passion for the opera is to avoid it yeah uh ziprecruiter.com slash pardo ziprecruiter.com slash pardo z-i-p-r-e-c-r-u-i-t-e-r.com slash pardo ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire hey everybody welcome back to the program uh episode 2813 for the award-winning podcast never not funny we are here with legendary uh trombonist from the uh, band Chicago, Jimmy Panko. Uh, and I'm a legend uh, in my own mind. Well, <laughs> uh, well, you've also got trophies to prove it. So uh, it, it it pays off. You're not alone. Um, <laughs> let's uh, quickly go around the horn. Let's give everybody's answer for Oliver. This week's Oliver's uh, trivia question. Um, uh, Matt, do we have a so we have a song for this? Do we not? We do. You ready for it? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, you can tell everybody to place their bets. Just try them. The theme song for Oliver's thing. That's a take on the Bee Gees. Jimmy, you played on a Bee Gees album, did you not? Yes, we did. Uh, was it Spirits Having Flown? What album did you guys play on? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm embarrassed. I can't recall the title. Uh, I can tell you it was circa, I'm going to say 1982. Well, that's. Uh, or maybe earlier, that was the Hot Streets album. And uh, that's we were 78 Miami at Criterion Studios and they were they were down in the hall doing their record and uh, we we kind of made a deal you know we'll do horns on your record if you sing backgrounds on ours um, on a song that uh, is uh, fairly problematic I would say in 2021 uh, little miss Lovin yes <laughs> yeah the maybe maybe those lyrics aren't the best for uh, our current climate <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Little Miss Lovin, you um, are correct. Uh, <laughs> little Miss Lovin. What did you say, Jimmy? Talk about trivia. It's uh, 
Uh, that is in my top five Chicago albums. I think Hot Streets is uh, your most underrated album of the entire discography. I think it's great. Oh, thanks. Uh, you bet. Uh, all right. So listen, uh, let's get to this uh, uh, Oliver's question. The uh, the question, of course, uh, the it was food for thought was the topic. The uh, question is, despite this chain having uh, roughly 13,446 locations in the U.S., Montpelier, Vermont, is the only state capital to not have one. Let's first start with the uh, at the Never Not Funny Weather Desk at the Tri-Corners of the Valley, Garen Cockrell. Garen, what is your answer, sir? Um, I really sat down and analyzed the options. Uh, settled with Wendy's. All right. Yeah, this is, uh, again, we're just throwing a dart. It's a, it's a yeah, totally. Right. Yep. Uh, Elliot uh, is there in Palms, California, the Pez dispenser. Elliot, what's your answer? Well, I was trying to figure out why Vermont would be involved in this at all. And the only thing I think of is I believe Vermont is known for its uh, maple syrup, perhaps. And so I went with IHOP. That's a, I think that's ah, a good guess. I think that's a great guess. Uh, Matt, what do you got? I... Uh, I just focused on the number. I mean, I don't. I don't really have any reference point for that. Just seems like a lot of locations for one country, thirteen thousand. So I went with the big one. I went McDonald's. Yeah, that. Uh, that uh, not bad, Jimmy Panko. What do you got? You got an answer for this thing? Yes, I do. The same as Elliot. I hop. I hop as I, well. Yeah, uh, I. I guess I kind of crunched some numbers. <laughs> and it seems like uh, the Golden Arches have to have way more locations. I think, yeah, probably. I mean, they're global. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I went down the list. You know, even, uh, you know, I thought maybe Burger King, but I seem to be a chain that might be in that number, you know, and I just, that, that's what popped into my head. Well, as a, as a touring musician, you do have the numbers of all the different uh, fast food and chain restaurant locations. <laughs> yeah, you, you've probably you've probably been to every one of these. <laughs> one time or another. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, my guess, by the way, uh, my guess is KFC. I think that uh, that's solid. Yeah. Hey, uh, good guess. And my logic is not uh, it's not uh, it's not good. It's flawed. Is that uh, uh, Vermont doesn't want to associate itself with the South. Uh, because of the Civil War, that's my, that is, that's my crazy logic. No KFC, no Chick Fil A. Well, I, that's right. I I don't think that's that crazy, Jimmy, because you know I grew up in Massachusetts, and I, there were not a lot of KFCs even in Massachusetts. Ah. So it's you know what? That's a great possible. guess. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. I like this new idea where everybody just kisses my ass and tells me how great I am. I like that. Hey, great guess, Mr. Pardo. You got it, boss. You know what? I love it. You know what? Even yeah, if, Jimmy, Jimmy. Good job, Jimmy. Even if that's well, not you know, right. It's your, it's your trivia show. So you have the answer already written down. Come on. Well, no, but my, I don't look at it. My, I don't cheat. I am not a no. cheater, Mr. Panko. Okay. You could uh, my, you uh, could retroactively just say, oh, yeah, it's KFC. Like you would just pretend you're reading. <laughs> yeah, that's the one way you could cheat. Uh, all right, here we go. Here's your answer. Let's find out if anybody won. The answer is. It is McDonald's. Hey, McDonald's, Matt Belknap. Why would there not be one there? Matt, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, In fact, Vermont Uh, is ranked 45 in the U.S. for number of locations with only 29. 50th is North Dakota with only 22. And in first, truly sporting the Golden Arches is California with between 1,100 and uh, 1,225. That's a lot of Big Macs, (laughs) says Oliver. (laughs) By the way, my first first answer that I crossed out was Starbucks because it said a chain. It didn't say, did it say fast food chain? No, it just just said chain. chain. 
So, mm. so I, I was thinking Starbucks. So I'm glad I didn't go with that because that would also That's be wrong. That's a good guess too. I thought that. Well, what, 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 what did everybody bet? Garen, what'd you bet? Seven. Seven for uh, Elliot. Nineteen. Nine. Oh, hi, Matt, for the win. Very disappointingly, only six for my for my uh, for my for my season long uh, uh, thing. I'm trying to rack up points, Jimmy, and I, I just. Uh, only added six today, but that's uh, better than I think than you're still in the lead as far as that thing goes. By I, don't, I have no idea. I bet Elliot's uh, I'll take a look. Pank, what'd you go with? I went with 15. Follow up. Right. You comfortable with me calling you Pank? That came out. <laughs> you guys in the band do. All right, then I'm in. There you go. Here you go. Jimmy, that's my dream is to be uh, just stand up there and, play, and hit a cowbell during a song. That's my dream. Okay, so, uh, man. We'll see if we can make it happen. You got to make it happen. We can make it happen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, all right. And then, uh, oh, that's, oh, I went with uh, 13. I went with 13, uh, our episode number. Uh, all right. Let's spend a couple more minutes with Jimmy Pankle, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Jimmy, I just want to hit on a couple of different things. So in the, in the 80s, you guys did the, you know, you, you did the shift. Video comes in. You're a faceless band. Here comes video. All of a sudden, you guys are plastered. You're doing the songs. You're hitting. You're, you're hitting the top five again. Chicago Seventeen goes to you know top five album, um, and then Peter Cetera leaves. You guys have to find somebody else, and then you're still fucking successful. It works. <laughs> so you guys did the transition from Terry passing away to then Peter leaving, and you still with Chicago Eighteen and Chicago Nineteen had great success. Um, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, we survived a lot of. Uh, potential breakup possibilities. Uh, you know, Peter wanted to do his own thing. Uh, so we agreed to disagree and we carried on. Uh, I know, I know things were difficult. You know, Terry's death was probably the most difficult to overcome. Sure. You know, he, he was such a heart and soul of the band and Peter with his, uh, amazing tenor voice, you know, uh, but rather than Harbor, uh, any uh, unhappiness or difficulty, uh, you know, he didn't want to be a team player. So, you know, hey, next we moved on. And it proves that there's nothing stronger than the whole. Right. It's the whole that makes it what it is. Uh, it's the combination of people. No uh, single one of us are nearly as important as the, as the combination of all of us, which is the real identity and uh, so here we are, and arguably the current lineup is probably the best lineup we've ever had. Really? I mean, the band is so smoking now on stage. Uh, we have uh, a lead vocalist by the name of Neil Donnell. He's out of Toronto, and he is an instrument he is inhuman i mean his pitch his song sense the tricks he could do with his voice i mean and then the rhythm section uh my gosh uh you know wally reyes on drums brett simons on bass keith has been with us on guitar for many years lou pardini now on keys sings his uh his head off, uh, but the vocals, the rhythm section, the brass, uh, I mean, it's, it's, there's no weakness. It's just, you're sitting in a Chicago audience. It's like the record. I mean, note for note, 
on steroids, 5.1, and it's live. And people are looking up at this and they're going, holy shit, they're, they're actually playing this. Mm-hmm. No lip syncing, no smoke and mirrors. It's, it's live. And it's performed by veteran musicians who've been doing it a long time. Right. And, you know, it's the real fucking deal, man. I mean, it is in your face, live, and people are just going, holy shit. That, you know, that's not pre-recorded, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can, uh, we, we prove it when we fuck up, you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's Those don't happen when they're pre-recorded. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, the top of a show once, we, we, we began, I wrote this little acapella horn thing where like a brass choir, we come out and and there's a pin spot on a dark stage and there's just the three of us. I completely went blank, you know? And right before curtain, I'm going, well, Lee, Lee, what do I play? What's my part? What's my part? What's my part? I get, don't worry. Hank, don't worry. Just cut, don't, if you stop thinking about it, it'll pop in. Don't just, don't worry about it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we walk out there. I totally fell off the wagon. And I caught to it. The mic was hot. I went, whoa. I blew it, and the crowd <laughs> heard that, and the whole place went nuts. Of course, they laughed their ass up, and the laughter it broke the ice. And then, boom! I could play. I'm going to tell you one more yeah. live episode. We were in Vancouver, Canada. It was at the Hard Rock, the joint in Vancouver, Canada, and. We had done the show. The crowd was going nuts. They were on their feet. We came back. We did the encore. The place was going nuts. We rocked the house. Uh, as we're saying goodnight, actually, no, I take that back. It's after the set. You know, we hadn't come back for the encore. And the place is on the feet. You know, we want more. And that night, only that night, the uh, what you call it? The remote function of one of the frontline vocal mics went out, so a tech had to run out and hardwire that mic, and it involved a three-quarter inch multi-cable, a round cable that went from the the base of the mic over to the monitor board on the side of the stage, where at the time I, I where I. That was my position at the end of the show. I was stage left. And as I'm waving, thank you, thank you, my foot rolled on that cable. Oh, no. I was holding my trombone. Oh, no. And I completely went off my feet. <laughs> and my only thought was protect the fucking horn. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And so I did a complete 360. Oh, no. And popped right back up. <laughs> On my feet, unscathed, oh. still what? holding the horn. Love it. And Jason Sheff, who was singing on that mic, turns around and goes, 
holy shit i don't believe i just saw that i've never seen anything so athletic in my the people went from to, hey yeah he's okay that was amazing you know, it was and it happened like like that right uh, yeah it, it could have been disaster I mean, I completely went in midair, did a 360, and cut right back up. The horn was completely untouched. That's that's wow. the beauty of the stage. The crowd's still scratching their head. Right. He came back on and did the encore like nothing happened. Love it. Thanks. Wow. You never know what you're going to see. That uh, and to your point, Jimmy. Jimmy Part of playing a cowbell, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, get your get your phones ready and then get ready to delete that video yeah. um, I will say Jimmy to, to your point as I mentioned I've seen you guys you know since 1981 and I, I've not missed a tour and I've seen many you know some tours I've seen many many shows I've seen hundreds of shows and uh, this lineup you guys have now and you've had great players over the years Dacus I think Chris Pinnock is the closest to Terry Kath I think he's an amazing guitarist yeah um, you know, uh, Jason on vocals, everybody that you've had over the years, uh, Laudere, Danny uh, Champlin, Dwayne Bailey, Tris on drums. Uh, this unit, when people say to me, are they any good? Are they still good? I mean, they're old men now. Are they any good? I, I, they sound I, I And Jimmy, I, I, as a comedian who's had bad shows, you know when you've had a bad show. So I've seen you guys have some clunkers. You yep. guys are, this is a tight band. And if, if, if Chicago is coming to your town, don't think, oh, they're has-beens, they're old, they don't have it. You're in your 70s, dude, but you're running around yeah. like you're 32 years Best old. lineup we've ever had. Yeah. We're playing better than we ever have. And the set is constructed better than it ever was. I mean, we're, we're crossing all of the T's and dotting all the I's. I and mean, we're doing stuff from first album, all the way to today, so people are getting a, a, a lot of everything. And it's all being performed amazingly. I I can't wait to get on that stage every night, man, because I, I just get lost in that shit. Well, the band I, is slamming. I mean, slamming. I, 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 first of all, I 100% agree. If you've never heard with you. the band, this, is a, this would be a good time to, to check it out, uh, you know. And you guys are going on tour this summer. You've got some scattered dates, right? Uh, as, as things start well, to open yeah. up, you... uh, we're we're looking at dates that are uh, at this moment they are confirmed for uh, you know around the thirteenth of June to uh, the end of the month, and then from uh, the first week of July until about uh, you know the third week of July. Two relatively short runs. And they're going to probably be, you know, in the eastern, southeastern, start in the southeast and head up toward uh, toward Massachusetts, Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, the real meat of the year will start like uh, near the end of August and go through to the holidays. That's when the, the big tours will uh, start whaling. And Good. those are looking very confirmed. Well, if you get an opportunity to see Chicago on the road, uh, I, I, I've said it, that this new outfit sounds better than ever. They sound great. They sound tight. 
and uh, and you're gonna know every effing song that's the the beauty of this band they play for two and a half hours there's not one song where you go well maybe i'll go take a leak during this one because you're gonna be you're gonna miss a hit that's how many fucking songs this band has yeah um, and then every now and then they will do an album track to keep the assholes like me happy so um <laughs> well you know last year we did uh the second album chicago 2 was was totally remastered as you probably know by stephen wilson right an amazing audiophile who did a, a masterpiece uh digital remaster uh and we uh performed chicago 2 from top to bottom yeah. the whole second album most of which is album tracks man lots of instrumental departures and stuff the first set of the show was Chicago 2. The second half of the show was the greatest hit. But, you know, you look into an audience, you see 15-year-olds going, what the hell is that? Yeah, what's in the country? Yeah, in the country, moving in. Uh, you know, bada bing, bada bing. And, you know, the crowd actually, people that had never heard it were kind of, you know, freaking out because they had never experienced Chicago in that way before. Uh, but it was a musical challenge, you know, yeah. fancy colors. Do, 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 do. You know, it just, and it was fun because it was uh, re-envisioning music that we hadn't done in 40 plus years. So it was, uh, it was quite a journey for the audience and the band, but yeah, you're right, Jimmy. Uh, you know, the show we're doing, uh, there aren't many artists that have more than two hours of hit songs. So people are going to, you know, they're going to hear what they came to hear, you know. And like you said, you know, the fabric of lives. And again, I, I, I thank you. You know, the soundtrack of lives. Uh, you know, after the show, we'll do our meet and greet. People come back and say, hey, man. Just kind of thank you. Uh, you know, my wife and I got married to this song or we fell in love to this song. We discovered this when we were making out, you know, at Lover's Lane. You know, this song became our song. My daughter danced to this song at her prom. You know, it has literally become a mantra in people's lives that they value because the song is an aud audible memory of an important event in their lives. And we hear that, we'll never get sick of hearing that. You know, that they've embraced your music so deeply that is that it is, uh, I mean, congruous to their life. You know, it's integral. Yeah. And they come to the show to relive that. And you look at a crowd, man, for one couple, it might be you're the inspiration. For one couple, it might be, uh, you know, 25 or 64. It might be... Uh, you know, hard to say I'm sorry. You're color my world. And you can see him looking at each other, remembering, I love you, honey. This is our song. And that's, it's fucking special. It's wow. so special. Excuse my French. No, please. I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> you could say whatever the fuck you want on the show, Jimmy. That's how it is. <laughs> um, what I love about it, Jimmy, and then we'll, and then we'll go, is when you, did the, when you did the Chicago 2 from start to finish, what I loved about it is for the people that just think of you guys as hard to say I'm sorry or you're the inspiration, and then they see these long, drawn-out instrumental jam sessions, 
they're like, holy shit, these guys are rock stars. Like there's a whole different vibe to that. And then to, to see the awareness of people realizing it around me as an audience member was like, yeah, they're not just a ballad band, guys. They're a, to your point, they are a rock band with horns and start listening to more deeper cuts. Yeah. You know, you never know what you're going to hear night after night because we do like just to keep the edge fresh. We like yeah, we like to throw a few uh, surprises in now and then. Uh, this year, uh, audiences are very likely going to hear some of this new stuff. Great, which is very very interesting stuff. I I welcome it as a guy that has seen you guys a ton. Uh, I, I, lo- I love when you do new stuff. Classic elements of the band, you know, the signature stuff with a, a very modern twist. You know. Right. And, you know, we, we, you know, we're stretching the envelope uh, to a large degree, you know, instead of hard to say, I'm sorry, we're going to do uh, sorry to say I'm hard. <laughs> you know? Good. A dick, a dick song. Fantastic. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jimmy Panko has been our guest. Uh, if you get, if they come to your town, go see Chicago. I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, considering that these guys are one of the biggest bands of uh, of all time. So, but if you get the opportunity, go and see them. Uh, Jimmy, as you continue to tick boxes off on my dream list, brother, and I cannot thank you enough for joining us here today. Every every time I have an interaction with you, it's another wonderful day that I will I will float on cloud nine for the rest of the week. So I thank you for being here. Bless your heart, my good friend, and thanks again on behalf of all the guys in the band for your enthusiasm and your love of what we do. We sure hope we run into you and cross paths. I'm going to keep that cowbell close at hand, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love you, Matt, Darren. It's been a pleasure working with all of you. Yeah, and Jimmy, man. thank you. It's my honor. Stick around, though. We'll say goodbye to you off the air. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be safe. Wear the mask. Get the vax. Do everything so we can get out of this thing. Uh, Let's get back to whatever normal is going to be. Uh, Thank you for subscribing. What, Jimmy? Herd immunity. Goddamn right. You heard it. You heard it. The the trombonist has spoken, everybody. Let's do this thing. I'll be having the popcorn. God damn it, Jimmy. I'm trying to close the fucking show. On behalf of the Pop Culture Beast, there he is at the Tricorders of the Valley. That's Garen Cockrell in Palms, California. That's the Pez Dispenser, Elliot Hochberg. Holding down the Ford at Never Not Funny Headquarters in Sherman Oaks, California. That's the Honcho Matt Belknap. And something I never thought I'd say, my good friend, Jimmy Panko. And a shout out to Peter Pardini for helping make this happen. I am Jimmy Pardo. We will see you next time on the podcast. AK-47, gone, not forgotten. Love Never Not Funny? For two bonus episodes a week and video of every episode, plus bonus perks, sign up for a Platinum subscription at NeverNotFunny.com. Never Not Funny is executive produced by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap. Video production by Elliot Hochberg. Production assistance by Garen Cockrell. Music by Daver and Watch It Burn. Copyright 2021 Never Not Funny, LLC. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.